Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 563. Hopefully you guys have had a great Friday, good start to your weekend. I've got another fun guest, somebody that you've seen around the community for sure, Crack Babies DWC. How you doing, my friend? You want to tell us how you're doing and uh, where they can find you? Hey, cheers, Eagle. Uh, yeah, man, I'm doing great. Uh, my name is uh, Crack Babies, DWC. Uh, I'm mainly at uh, Coco for Cannabis. But uh, now you can find me on the Sundays and Confuse show on Sunday mornings, uh, 10 to 2 a.m. or p.m. And uh, also on YouTube, it's Crack Babies, DWC, and on IG, same name. They're funneling right in. Right in to hear your story, my friend. So cheers to everybody that's piling in. Cool. So uh, what do you got to smoke on today? Did you bring something to smoke on? Oh, yeah. I rolled up a few there. So I got some uh, Northern Lights uh, crossed with some skunk that I got from uh, QCS. So I grew that out. And, uh, that was actually my first uh, Canatrol cure there that I... I bought the can of troll there, a bit like small poker there. We actually bought it on the same day. And uh, I, I got to use it first. So that, that was my first batch of uh, trying that out there. So it's pretty tasty. And I got a bit of green crack. <laughs> that's my signature. Uh, that's why I have the name there. I, I guess I should explain that off the bat there. It's, uh, I don't do crack or anything like that there. I love green crack. And my first batch was green crack bag seeds. And uh, oddly enough, I had seen a grow on, on Reddit, and uh, I found it cool that the, he named it Crack Babies because he didn't know who the fathers were, right? They're bag seeds. So I thought that was kind of cool. So I just took that name because I was doing the same thing. It was my first grow of cocoa for cannabis, and I was putting eight green crack bag seeds into the, into the net pots there. So I, I figured, ah, that's a good name. That's my name. And it just stuck, you know. I was going to change it, but I couldn't change the name. So it's like, ah, you know what? No, let's just leave it. <laughs> so I added DWC so there's no confusion there because uh, it's a little hairy. Well, I, I'm glad you uh, explained a little bit or expanded on that. I was a little curious myself, but it's one of those things like, do I ask? Do I not ask? I don't know. <laughs> So I'm glad to explain. But then, um, and I'm glad it's a better story than, you know, it could story. have been. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Most people go that route, and I just wanted to, you know, make sure it doesn't. So we're all good that way. So I guess we might as well get this rolling uh, the way we always do. Uh, when was the first time that uh, cannabis came into your life? Man? Well, uh, damn. The first time I actually tried it was uh, in fifth grade. Uh, it was a friend of mine that uh, I used to hang around with uh, that we used to, you know, go smoke and go check out the, the pornos in the woods there and stuff like that. And this one time he's like, you know what? I'm going to see my uncle, you know, why don't you come with me? And he actually showed me this bag and it's like, oh, I got this off my dad and it was weed, you know, it's like, oh, okay, cool. So we went to his uncle's place and he rolled up a joint and he just did us each a shotgun, you know, I don't, that's all I remember of the event there is we got that, that puff there, you know, 
I don't remember really getting high either, but you know, fast forward from that, that was the only time really. Then fast forward from that to about, I think it was about 12 years old, 12, 13, 83, 85, 83, 84, something like that. Metallica, Kill em All had just come out there. Yeah, ride the lightning. So yeah, around those days. So I was around 12, 13. And uh, it was actually hash. I just happened to be in a, an area where weed wasn't too prevalent, but hash was kind of regular. So I started smoking that. Uh, I had just moved into a place too there, a, a new area. And so, and it was kind of a secluded area. It was kind of surrounded by a, a park so we it wasn't like just an endless neighborhoods it was just our little neighborhood so we would always gather at the same spots and you know and talk about stuff and oh so you smoke weed and oh, I, i've tried it you know because i had one toke <laughs> but that would you know potentially i had smoke there so but they're like oh well here you know, we got some hash and tried that that i definitely got high off of you know, the first few times there, it was like, oh, my Lord, you know, got pretty high. I let the munchies like crazy there, just go to bed, you know. But you get, I got used to it after a bit there. You know. It got more regular, and beer was also more available. I was on the Quebec side back then. There. I'm up in Canada, so beer was a little more available to us. There was all in the corner stores and stuff, so I don't know how it is where you guys are, but a little different in Ontario and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, we experimented, you know, we had a lot of fun. And I just basically kept doing that, you know, I, I never really stopped. I, I, I liked the effect of being able to sleep. You know? I was a pretty active kid. A lot of thoughts at night, I can't sleep. I don't want to go to school, you know, because I can't sleep. So I thought, at least this would let me sleep and be normal a bit, you know. But, uh, yeah, so that continued on for quite a bit. I, I didn't really grow anything until just like recently, in the last two and a half years, three years. But I've been smoking for a long time. I had a lot of experience with all sorts of different things. But uh, don't know how many times I hear uh, in that first story there that uh, it made me feel normal. That seems to be the underlying statement from a lot of people during that first or second experience or the description of their first comings with cannabis. It's, I feel it made me feel normal. Uh, and I have to agree. I have to agree. Uh, for you, you say uh, mainly for the, the sleep part of it, but uh, well, would you say there was more to it other than that, just a, a calming? exactly high strongness and stuff like that calm down you know stressful day you know even just you know episodes where you get angry at stuff or whatever you know a lot of stuff piss you off during the day well that'll that'll let you get your nerves back and you know kind of assess the situation calmly not screaming you know it's it's really good for you know easing the stress right? and stress is I realize this is a killer, man. <laughs> you know, like it, it's just overall really bad. So, so yeah, man. I mean, it was uh, it was a big advantage, and I didn't really, it, you know, like it made me feel good, but at the same time, you know, it was illegal and uh, all the, you know, the negative connotations to it. 
I didn't feel like it was bad, but I kind of knew that it was, right? So that's a comfortable balance. I did it anyways. <laughs> I'm glad I did, you know. I think it uh I think it had some benefits I didn't know about, you know, till later. Which was kind of cool. Well, for me, I you know, I played sports and uh did pretty well in school, I like to think. But for me, it aided me because I was like a morning stoner or whatever. You'd always catch me in bus stop burning down hell with a bunch of other folks. I didn't necessarily have that morning sesh, man. Uh, I actually found myself doing worse in school, if you, this makes any sense to you. Yeah, do I? Uh, if, if, I, if I didn't have, like, have that sesh in the morning, I found myself bored, my mind running all day long. If I had that sesh, then it just made me kind of more engulfed in in class and what the teacher was saying i don't know if most of the time they just made it that boring to where it needed cannabis <laughs> you know what i mean to uh yeah. for a second draw but it ate i think a lot in school for me that's kind of what my mom told me she's like you were really a hyperactive kid and things were moving too slow for you so maybe, you know, the cannabis was slowing you down to their pace so that you could actually stand it and not want to get the hell out of there, you know? So in that sense, uh, you know, yeah, you know, she's probably right there. Because, uh, you know what I mean? It's even just in traffic, you know, like sometimes I'll get really blitzed there and I'm, I'm not like impaired, but I, you know, I'm, I'm slowed down, that's for sure. And I feel like I can tolerate you know, everybody else. It feels like everyone else is stoner than I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they, they're not smoking. Like, what the hell? So maybe they shouldn't. But <laughs> it, it lets me deal with the everyday stresses, you know, because there's a lot of them, man. Even more and more these days there with all the, you know, with the you know what going on there. So. You remember some of the first strains you can count? Oh man, it, it was it was mostly hash, so and it was Afghani stuff. There, it was the real deal. I remember seeing Arabic, you know, symbols on the gold stamps and Kabul and stuff like that. And Kashmir was a name that came up, you know. But in the weed, though, like we did get, you know, like we'd get some Colombian. Uh, what was it? The Colombian gold, uh, no Acapulco gold, the Colombian red, um, the lamb's breath, the tide stick, tide stick, and we even got some Jamaican gum. That was that was something special. That was a really good hash. That was like a special hash. All those were rare though, you know. Like and usually the brick, you know what I mean? <laughs> like in a can there that was branch seed everything you know but i i found out later like just recently this year actually that that was all potentially uh like a south asian cure style kind of they packed it green tight and it cured on the boat on the way over kind of thing which kind of makes sense because when you look at it i mean the branches were all twisted up and they, were, they weren't really broken you know they were just kind of all malformed and pressed together and they dried that way and that, that kind of made sense you know 
Because when you'd break it apart, there was like all fibers, like you're breaking a we apart a, a weave basket or something. You know, I was like, what the hell is this stuff? You know? But yeah. So so it was. I, I never really knew what I smoked. I I just smelled it. You know. Sometimes you're presented with a few options. You know. <laughs> so it's like okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, let me that. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll take that one. You know, I don't know what the hell it was. You know, it was the 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 better smelling one, I guess. <laughs> you know, because you know, God knows. But but to be honest, names started popping up when when hash started disappearing, which was around the, I guess, the start of the '90s. And that brickweed was it was starting to get overshadowed by BC Hydro. That was the big, you know, BC Hydro. Which strain? God knows skunk <laughs> all of it it was all smelly smelly stuff and it was really really good it was better than the hash that's kind of why the, and the hash was kind of disappearing so it kind of came at the right time you know it was the potency was becoming even you know to where you could buy a gram of weed or a gram of hash and it was even you know you weren't losing anything and the price was about the same too so it slowly transitioned by the end of the 90s. It was all weed, BC Hydro. That continued on as well. It always uh, blows me the way to hear the, the first hash stories. You know what I mean? For everywhere else, it seems like, but the states here, uh, everybody started on flowers. So to hear the the hash came first because it's ass backwards, really. We yeah. we start we started with flour and we're ultimately pushing towards the extracts or the hash. I prefer the bubble, dry slip hash in general, but it's not where I started. You know what I mean? We're yeah. we're going with flip flop and it's kind of kind of funny. And bubble didn't exist too, like uh, and you know, and if it did, it was frowned upon it's like no no that you don't want that you know it'll it'll literally bubble because there's water in it right so it's like oh okay no you know and apparent and apparently the taste wasn't so hot either because you know they didn't know what they were doing they probably didn't see it right they didn't have french either to guide them you know <laughs> so god knows how they made it but but yeah no this was the real deal there from afghanistan the seven year cured you know what frenchy was talking about there when he talks about the history of hash i lived it like that's literally what happened and it really did get stepped on and slowly the cures were shorter and you could taste the difference it was you know it's like ah this isn't you know where's where's that other stuff that we used to get and it's like sorry man that this is all we got you know it's like oh man so slowly but surely it, it disappeared and it was getting more expensive to get the good you know and and there was always other stuff but it was they called it the shit black there the, the repressed the, you know somebody put something in there and that's what i didn't like about that hash is that you could it's easy to buff it up right you can put whatever you want in there and you wouldn't know you know whereas flour i mean you know you throw some parsley in there you're gonna see it you know <laughs> it's not you know you can't hide it you know so yeah that was the only disadvantage of hash and and even probably the good stuff was probably not that great <laughs> when you see them picking it off the palms of their hands there when they're making a charis. That, you know, it can't be the healthiest stuff there. A bit of skin in there and stuff. You know. <laughs> their hands are ISO'd, yeah. Any cannabis trouble? Cannabis bring any trouble to your life earlier? 
Well, yeah, 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 a little bit. I got caught with uh, possession, you know, just possession. So it wasn't too bad. I got a year of probation. So I just had to be careful not to let that happen again. I don't want to go in the court system, you know. That's, uh, but I was young. It was before I was 18, so I didn't leave a, a record on my a permanent record. You know? I went away when I was uh, turned 18, so that was good. Besides from that, no, I was uh, luckily stayed uh, stayed away from that. You know? Did it? Can't say I didn't. You know, do a bit of hustling though, cause, you know, it was mainly for convenience. You know, because I've been through this. You know, where you, you know, okay, man, I'll meet you at two o'clock, and you, you know, you give them the money, and all right, you know, be back in an hour, and like three hours later, oh, well, you know, I have to go back in an hour. <laughs> So 12 hours later, the guy comes back with your money. It's like, oh, you're not, you're not serious, man. You know? So I had, there had to be a better way there. So I just figured, no, I'll just do it myself and take care of my friends. And, you know, that way there's never a, a drought, you know. <laughs> so I kept it simple, didn't go big, you know, didn't try to get greedy or nothing like that. That wasn't really to make money. It was just a habit. You know? so. So that's why I kind of got to see a bit of everything there, because I had a few good connections for that. But, uh, but I didn't go big, and you know how it is when you start that. There, you then you you know, and there's always all the other stuff that you can get into, and I had a lot of friends that did that, and it's like, nah, you know, I don't, I don't want to deal with that there. You know, but then it was more about the money. I mean, it was more about the convenience of just making sure I can still get it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, it gave me a better deal or at the same deal, same price, or at, or at the same time, I should say. So yeah, so I did that for a little while, and uh, yeah, the rest of the, the rest of the. Yeah, pretty, cannabis is. Uh, I did the same thing. It was uh, kind of spun things a little bit just to keep things going. Yeah. I don't think that it's necessarily. Yeah, I think everybody has put a few together to get one free at one point, I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody's got to get it somewhere, right? So <laughs> sometimes it's easier to do it uh, simpler, you know, because, I mean, God, there was some times there where it's just impossible. It wasn't worth the, the effort almost, you know? <laughs> it's like, uh, do I have to do this again? And it's like, ah, oh, no, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I got sick of it too much here. It's like, and I'm sure a lot of people felt the same way I did. So it's like, it had to be a better option there. So. <laughs> Convenience. So did you, did you think back then that could you have seen what today? You know what I mean? Would, oh could God, you have no. Thought it, or would you have seen today happening? I still didn't know anything about, you know, the endocannabinoid system or anything like that. To me, it was just, it was making me feel good and, you know, the hell with it, you know, like it was worth it to keep going, right? Health-wise and all that stuff. I just, didn't, there was no reason for me to stop aside from the illegality of it. So, but then I heard about Rick Simpson there. That was, uh, I guess, late 90s, early 2000s there. Rick Simpson's story, you know, when he... Found out about his cancer in the face here, and he and he made the oil, and because he had heard something, right? So he said, ah, you know, shit, I'll try it, you know, and it worked, you know. So he started spreading the word, and so when I heard that, I'm like, oh shit, you know, 
So I'm, I'm smoking that stuff. I, I never made the oil. I never made edibles. We, ah, we used to make hash coffees. That's one thing we used to do back in the day is crumb up a gram of hash and then, you know, get a, a coffee going and dump it in there and drink it. We got pretty high, but we weren't decarboxylating it. It was partially decarbed, I guess, you know, from the, the process of making it. And, but, you know, so it was half and half. We're getting a bit of THCA in there, you know. But we did get high. We got to do at least a gram, you know. So that's, I don't know, 30, 30%, maybe 40% back then, the hash, you know. So 400 milligrams. And that's not decarb. So I think it's uh, I think you happy. used that medical at that point. Didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't do it often enough, but it was a sleepy body buzz. There was definitely a, a noticeable difference in the way it affected us, but that it was definitely more long lasting. You know, took longer. A bit like uh, a bit like doing acid or shrooms, or you know, they they take a while to kick in. It's not like a joint you smoke it, boom. You know. You, you within seconds you feel it you know but but this was like gradual it's like ah yeah i didn't feel nothing but you know we'd always drink our coffee and then smoke the big joint and yeah you know, so we're all high from that joint so it's like well yeah okay you know i don't feel it you know? it's like yeah but later on you know <laughs> it's like a six hour buzz i found out later or if not more and it takes two hours to kick in so it's like oh shit so i had heard a half hour right we're giving it a half hour <laughs> and it, you know, it takes a lot longer. Apparently got to eat something. Actually, if we, if we had an empty stomach, I think that would have been a better deal. Cause I heard that your empty stomach, your acid and your stomach can decarb it. You can get high off really? THCA. Yeah. To be careful. I've never heard that. Yeah. Cause if you take THCA and you've got an empty stomach, it'll potentially turn it to, It'll decarb it in your stomach and you'll get high. So be careful. <laughs> Eat something first, <laughs> then do it just in case, you know, if it is something you do where you don't want to be high. I think everybody else, did, including myself, heard eat on an empty stomach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there you go. It's going to get it decarb, you know, if you didn't do it right or if it was underdone then potentially that'll solve the problem i heard that from uh, frenchie with his interview with uh, josh alb he's a chemist and a uh, really great interview he did with him on his youtube channel there about all the you know he's basically he he sees the cannabinoids on a molecular level he has a 3d graphic representation of thca in the in the cb connector and he spins it in 3d there and you see it. it's like wow that's that's cool yeah. So yeah, he goes through all sorts of shit there, and that was one of the topics. Pretty interesting stuff. <coughs> that's right. pretty cool, you know. That's you're the second person. Well, I get other than the three that I'm speak getting ready to speak of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that actually consumed in coffee like that. Uh, I used to work with some Arabic gentlemen. And we all cooked, oddly enough, at a Greek restaurant. And that would be their morning routine. You know, if we had time, whatever, we would uh, sit and snap beans. And they would, I found this out months after working with them, after I guess I got accepted into the 
the club or whatever, I guess you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they were doing the same thing. They would make themselves some hot coffee. I could, and I always kind of thought it was just maybe uh, part of their tradition or whatever. You know what I mean? Because they would have each one of them had their coffee cups. They would all make it fresh, super hot, and then they would put the plate on there and let it steep. Nice. And they'd be all be bright eyed, bushy tailed, and then a little while after snapping beans, they would just be in the best, <laughs> bestest mood. And then after you know hanging out with them and snapping beans for a while, I learned they were all fucking had their hashish, and that's just was their ingestion method. And, for uh, sure. I had tried it once or twice with them, and definitely a great method of uh, ingesting it like that. That's pretty cool. Well, it's so much stronger, too, right? It's like 10 times stronger, the COOH or whatever it turns into there when it goes through the liver. Then it turns into super psychoactive stuff, and you know what I mean? So, so when I learned about that, then I'm like, because I still do that. I infuse my, my coffee with MCT oil. You know, I, I infuse my MCT oil with... Uh, well, I used to do with the concentrates there, like honey oil or rosin or whatever, but now I just infuse the oil directly with an infuser. It's the simplest method. It's like why bubble hash and, you know, dry it and then press it to rosin and then dump it in MCT oil. It's like, dummy, just, you know, drop the weed in the oil directly. I mean, you're just going to get to it a little more taste of the flour, you know, but if you do it right. I actually decarb it after, you know, like I'll infuse it undecarbed. I'll strain it and everything, and then I'll run another run just to decarb it in the oil. It traps more terpenes. It's a little tastier. It doesn't taste as bad. You know, it tastes, there's more taste, but there's less bad taste. You know, it's just more terpene taste, less, you know, shitty flour taste. Because when you take it out of the oven there, you know, like it's, you, you vaped all the, the terpenes off it there in the oven. So now it's just the cannabinoid, the THC and all that. And uh, and that flower, the, the the green, right? And that just to me turns my stomach. I couldn't do it, so I'm like, okay, there's got to be a better way. That seems to work. Gets me high. <laughs> I just squirt it in my coffee, like it, you know, it floats on top there. I'll stir it a bit there, but it's basically an oil slick on top there. But it wasn't good. I'm it's definitely a coffee drinker myself. I actually uh, learned. Lately, of people sweetening their coffee with coconut oil, just straight up coconut oil. Oh, the oil itself, yeah. Because MCT is like odorless, right? And it's like already liquid. It doesn't. It's not butter. So, so the coconut's got the flavor and the the butter texture. You know what I mean? But yeah, I guess it it would have a little bit of a sweetness, eh? Yeah, that's cool. I've been transition over into the tea myself, man. As I get older, man, I drink it black too, just straight black coffee. Isn't it as good to have the stomach anymore? No, <laughs> acidic, <laughs> eh? Yeah, it's pretty acidic there. But I like it, yeah. I try, I drink the extra super dark there, so it's really like the least caffeine possible. So I don't, I'm not jumping off the walls. I mean, I'm smoking green crack, <laughs> it's bad enough. So that's the obviously the staple there. It's the green crack. Was that the first one? Yeah, that was because uh, I I kept hearing you know like 
because I was smoking all these weeds that I didn't know what they were. And then after uh, a little while, like just like, you know, how it went legal in Canada in 2017, I think. So maybe a year or two before that, I started seeing like commercial packaging. Like I was buying Shatter and then was in a, like a, a commercial package, showing you the terps and the percentages. And it's like, what the hell is this? But I didn't know that online since 2006, you could, you know, buy weed online and shatter and all sorts of stuff. And it was all medical, but you know, if you had your license, you could get it and they'll, they'll ship it right to your door and everything. Like what? You know, cause I was, I was paranoid <laughs> until it went legal. I didn't even search cannabis online. I, I like, I looked at that Rick Simpson stuff there, but aside from that, I didn't search any, I didn't go to high times. I didn't do any, any of that heat score stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's too paranoid, I guess. I would have learned a few things. But, but anyway, so right around when I got those packages and I saw that, I'm like, what? So I went to their website and I found out about medical cannabis in Canada and all that, ACMPR. And oh my God, you know, I didn't know that. I could have had a license. I could have been buying hash from, you know. <laughs> oh man, you know. So that opened my eyes there. And then when it went legal, well then, you know, okay, sample fest. Now I knew about strains, I knew the sativas, I knew indicas, and I kept hearing this fuel, yeah, fuel and gas, and it's like, well, what the hell is that, you know, because I knew about Kush, right, like the hash, all the hash was Kush, Mastic Kush, Pink Kush, that, that, all that smell, that signature Kush smeller, that's hash, that was the hash I smelt in the, in the 80s, or that's, it was, that was that signature smell, I guess that's Mercine or whatever. I don't know there, but but that was the smell. So so when I'd hear like fuel and what the hell is that? And I never really smelt it until I got green crap. I got that. I smelled it there. I'm like, oh, that that's what they mean. <laughs> it smelled like high octane. Like I, I take 97 there, my motorcycle there, and it's got a little sweeter smell to it. If you know what I mean, when you smell the gas or it's got a kind of a sweet smell if you let it, you know, leave the fuel side of it away there. There's this sweetness to it. They're like a, I don't know, it's almost like a perfumey. That's the fuel that, you know, that I got from that. It's like a citrusy kind of fuely. So I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. A bit like cool water. You remember that perfume in the 80s or 90s? It's called cool water. It might still exist. It's just, it's a, it's a perfume, but it smelled fresh, like, like cool water. <laughs> well, this weed smells fresh, like fuel. Like, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but fuel is a good descriptor, I guess. So, yeah. So I fell in love with it. And it's a great daytime. It focus. I'm like, a, it feels like an enhancement, you know. I can really keep my thoughts on the same subject and really get the job done. I'll, I'll clean the kitchen, at, you know, at three in the morning there if I, take, I smoke at the wrong time. It just, I won't sleep. It's almost like drinking coffee. It's almost like doing cocaine. That's why they call it green crack, I think. But maybe Snoop was right there. Yeah? <laughs> I believe that story, by the way. Snoop named it. <laughs> so since we're talking about that first love there, uh, let's, what was the first grow like? Let, describe, let us in. Uh, well, I grew once. was like. Remember when I said there that I got caught for possession? Well, I actually had a plant growing in my house. It was a male. <laughs> I didn't realize it there, but 
it was a male it was just a seed i found you know and i dropped it in the in the living room you know in a potted plant and it grew out so it's like oh shit so i scooped it out and i put it in a pot in my room left it by the window and it got really tall and skinny little you know pods with the white you know little flowers there with the dust it's like oh hmm i don't see no buds <laughs> so anyway that was my only experience growing and fast forward to the day you know it was actually august uh, 5th uh, 2019 that's when i bought my tent my my blurples and a buddy of mine gave me a three by three with his old blurple and all his gear with all nutrients and stuff like that and he's like here you go man you know it's like okay you know first deal it was a, a guy on reddit and he sent me some he was supposed to send me some rooted clones but he sent me cuttings <laughs> so i got a you know a, an envelope with some, you know some cuttings that were in kleenex no roots and i hadn't I hadn't looked that up man like i did my research and well, i guess i should back up a bit there when i knew i was gonna grow I started researching, well, how the hell am I going to do this? Because I don't have much room. And uh, my bedroom was basically unused. It was just my, my bed and the rest of the room was just an empty space that I just, you know, was wasting there. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to grow my room and I'll fill that place with tents and get going. So now I'm like, well, soil, you know, bugs, you know, dirt. It's in my bedroom, man, you know. So it's got to be clean. So now I was really looking at hydroponic and then, <clears throat> because I don't have much room, I didn't want recirculating and water spills. And, you know, I don't, I'm in the basement too there, so flooding is out of the question. So the, I ended up on DWC. I did my homework, and that seemed the simplest. A little more work, but easy to, to fix things. You know, I didn't know too much, so I figured if I screw up, well, I can fix easy. You know? That was my easy start, right? So I get the clippings and it's like, oh man, I didn't, you know, I was expecting rooted clones there and they weren't rooted. So I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I watched all sorts of videos. I saw videos with Swami there talking about, oh yeah, he rotates it with the north, south. He grounds the, the, the buckets and everything with earth, earth grounds. I had a copper pipe in my DWC bucket grounded to the earth ground of the house <laughs> i tried everything bro i swear to god it took me almost two months to get them rooted but they rooted and uh finally got them to grow i had five clippings and two made it so i grew those out took two more clipping or three more well seven more from that one and three made it so my second grow was three clones from the two first clones so i got my five you know, in the end there basically so yeah, that was my first experience, and uh, I was basically getting my info from like Reddit and YouTube videos, and growing, uh, growing weed easy there and stuff like that. And at first there, and, and I was having a real hard time there. It's getting the claw, and I was taking fans off, defoliating, and realizing they're not coming back. You know, <laughs> everything kind of stalled. I learned a lot of stuff there that, uh, well, I learned. Uh, I learned that most of what I learned was wrong, you know. So I kept looking for information, and then finally I heard a podcast, and it was uh, on Growcast, and it was Dr. MJ Coco. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I know. he sounded really cool, man, and you know, but he was like a professor, and he was a you know science based, and he's like, you know, and he's going through this stuff, and he's like, yeah, you know, 
plants don't really work that way and it's like oh man you know hashtag leave the leaves and stuff like that so i learned so much just from that podcast that i I applied what he told me and i i kind of looked it up more and and applied it to my grow and it really you know changed everything it turned it around the claw was gone i had my my vpd in order i had my temperatures in order i didn't defoliate the shit out of it there you know um i gave it a a living chance you know to, to make to make something of itself there and so my second grow was uh, uh or my third grow was uh autos uh, it was two two cheese two auto cheese and one uh, super skunk those were from uh, qcs too there. and all this is on dwc there in five gallon buckets you know and uh the the super skunk got super tall there at uh, I was hitting the lights and and these these were under QBs right so the first two or three grows were under QBs the third grow is where I I I, uh, I splurged and I went and got a Mars TS one thousand <laughs> and uh, that that was nice because now I was white you know but I still had two blurples with that so uh, then I got a, a two forty watt QB that I got off of China there off a of DH gate my budget was pretty limited there so I, I got a pretty good deal there for the for the price it was a there were lm301h chips or 3500k and, and the ir and the uv it was uh it did the trick yeah. so now they're under white light and uh, the nugs got a lot denser you know because i was getting hairy you know pitiful buds around the first few so this changed the game there and uh, that that first uh, that I grew there the cuttings there that was a strain that a guy grew from Ottawa I think and uh, he called it French breakfast I think it was a breath strain or something because uh, after a long time of curing it it started to smell a bit like peanut butter <laughs> which is kind of odd yeah um, and then uh, yeah cheese and super skunk and then during that grow, that's when I joined uh, Cocoa for Cannabis and started those green crack seeds or crack seeds. So that, uh, that's when I started the journals and started uh, slowly getting in with the community there. Like at first it was just the forums and my, my journals and stuff. And then I started chatting with everybody and then COVID hit at the same time there. So we were all locked in there. So. There was a lot of people, you know, that were all in the same boat and a lot of new people coming in at the same time. So, you know, it's almost like it all happened at the same, for a reason, at the same time, you know. I don't know. Maybe it was just my timing. We didn't have a choice. We had three months to stay home there. The plants loved it. Well, I'm glad you took it up, and uh, I think everybody should be called to wait in the plant. So I can't help but wonder what, why take DWC? Uh, I, that's probably, in my opinion, the very scar method. Yeah. Oh, I was, so it was a YouTube you? video, a YouTube video of a guy that had both. He was doing uh, soil and he was doing dwc but his video starts with him going around the, the the whole room he's like okay first before i tell you anything there all these plants have been started the same day 
And he goes around the room and he's showing all the plants and he's showing, oh, this is a, this is a master kush and this is, you know, he's naming them. And they all look, you know, normal. And then he pans over to the DWC one. And he says, this is my DWC one. And it was four times bigger, at least four times. It's like, what? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and, and he had a little, you know, eight part, you know, you know, how I got here kind of thing. And, and it was pretty simple. I mean, just mix your notes and blah, 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 and Aerostone and change the water and, you know, all that stuff. So it was basically the, the golden rule was, you know, a week, change your water. You know, keep the pH between 5.7 you know, and 6.2 uh, EC, you know, within range for the, you know, the newts you got there. As long as you, you do that, then you know, you'll be fine. If something happens, flush the water, start over. And you were supposed to clean the buckets and the stones and everything. So it's like, okay, and that was because you were going to get pythium and rot and stuff. So... All right, so you know it was a trade because at first I was going to do arrow, the, the 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 misting, but then I heard about the misters get clogged up with the newts and you have to clean all that up and it's like ah yeah, well, I have to want to do that. So it's like okay, it's simple, keep it simple, stupid. You know, DWC. There's not you know how hard is it to clean a bucket, right? So that was my thought, but then <laughs> shit, man, this is a few things I had to think of there. You know, when the plant is growing. And you got to change that bucket. And it's like, like picture a week five. There. You know, it's finished stretching there. You're at, you know, your max for the light there. The light's all the way at the top. You know, you, you took it as high as you could. You did your LST there so that it's not hitting it. But, you know, you're at the max there. What are you going to do? You got to lift the plant out of the bucket. The roots are at least the height of the bucket, right? So you got to lift that out of the bucket. How are you going to do that? Unless you go sideways with it, I mean... That's, it's impossible. So I'm like scratching my head. Oh, shit. I'm going to do this. And at first I put a scrog. <laughs> how am I going to lift it in the scrog? I can, don't get that off of there. What are you doing? So I ripped it off a few days later. not thinking, you know. It's like, dummy. So, 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 so it's like, oh, man, you know, how am I going to do this? It's not going to work. I have to clean the bug. I'm going to get rot. And sure enough, I did. You know, I had to. I did an emergency H2O2 flusher with the roots there. I dunked them. You could see them fizzing and everything. I, it worked. I, I killed the rot, but, you know, it's like, okay, I'm not doing this again. There, I got to find something. And I had, you know, advanced nutrients with the 10 bottles there, this, you know, Sensizyme and uh, Tarantula and all that stuff there. And it did do shit. And I got raw like a mf -er. But my water was real high, the temperature, right? You're supposed to keep it under 70. I it was 74, 76, you know. So I heard on Reddit, he's like, well, you know, you can get something a lot cheaper. It's not made for cannabis, but it's the same stuff. It's the same bacteria, basically. It's called Ponzyme. So I'm like, oh, all right. He says, it's a lot cheaper. It's made for fish and ponds and stuff. Like, all right, right on. So I get on Amazon.ca and I look for it. And then I look on there. I couldn't find it there. I get on Google and try to look for it. Oh, no, banned in Canada. You can't can't get it. Another thing I looked for was Dr. Zimes. Can't get it. Banned in Canada. It's like, oh, you bastards. So, okay, so I started looking for beneficial bacteria. And then I find this Aquascape stuff. And it was on Amazon too, so it's like, oh, right on. I started reading their reviews, and there's a few guys that was DWC, and they're like, man, ever since I used this, there, perfect. 
and my whites are my roots are white and you know it's like like shit and it was like cheap there was like 39 bucks for eight ounces it treats 52,000 gallons i'm like uh okay that that'll last a while <laughs> made for ponds right i mean how much water is in a pond so so i got that and uh, sure enough man my temperatures are 74 to 76 f and my roots are white like you could eat off them i swear to god it's clean so now you don't have to lift the bucket you don't have to clean it I just have to drain the water. So I drop a pump in the, in the bucket, it drains the water. I do my flush that way. I just have to, you know, so I scoop my lid over, I do my water fills or changes, and uh, everything stays the same. The other thing is that I don't have to flush the water every week because now the water doesn't get rotty, right? It's just for more for the NER because the NER gets out of whack or as it eats, it doesn't eat the same amounts. and. So she starts to get a little more of this and a little less of that. And, you know, I fill it and I kind of replenish it. I so that helps it go back. But after a while, you're just not helping it no more. And usually it's the pH. It'll drop really low. If you're dropping the fours by the morning, it's like, oh, you know, time to, time to switch out the water. So, but at least I don't have to, you know, lift anything. The plants don't really move. So I could potentially scrog them, you know, as long as I don't move them too much. Then I can get my water changed. And, Get my uh, my lid scooted over. So yeah, I mean now it's like lickety split. I don't have to to work so hard to do the same job. Cutting corners and it's working. So like, can they hear it right? Is it a little bit of a trade off? You can use a little bit of the enzymes and run a little bit hotter versus you know a chiller. You know, have yeah. to go the extra route of a chiller. Exactly. The chiller is basically to keep the water cold enough so that the bacteria can't form. The pythium won't like it. It's like it's not. It's too chilly here, and it won't form. So basically, your your roots stay nice and they don't get rot. But if it goes above sixty eight, then you start there's a rot risk, right? But this bacteria, it it literally eats it. It's food for them, and they apparently interact. It's eight strains. I I don't know which ones they are, but they're eight strains of beneficial bacteria they're made to interact with fish plants and food it's all it's it's all safe for humans and everything and uh apparently there's an interaction with the roots so it, it helps with the roots as far as intake with the nutrients and it helps with as far as what's in the oh shit my cat's outside freezing there can you uh wait two seconds right. there i'm gonna go let him in Oh, absolutely. You take care. Freezing up here, eh? Hold on. I'll be right back. <coughs> Cheers, everybody. Hopefully, you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. That's currently 1222 1222 here in Michigan. I love those names. I love those. Um, what you got smoking on there in chat? Cheers, so cat. Love you, fucker. Just Smart poker cheers to you. All right, I'm back. For cannabis proof. Oh, they're all in chat there. Yeah, I'm not looking at this at the live there. I should be looking at chat. Damn. Cheers, everyone they there, can be man. Distracted. Yeah, it's hard, they can be man. Distracted. I know some people are great with that multitasking stuff, but me there, it's one. You know, I like to pay attention, right? So you get my devoted attention when I'm, you know. You're talking to me. I'm not doing nothing else. You know what I mean? Because I can't. <laughs> I won't be hearing you. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I, I know my weaknesses, you know, so I don't, uh, I don't push it. So, man, I appreciate that tip. And what, one other, you want to throw that out there one other time, that product? Because, uh, yeah, it's called, um, it's called, it's uh, called, well, the website is aquascapeinc.com. And it's a dry beneficial bacteria powder. I think you can get in four, eight, and then super big jugs there. And it's really cheap. I think in the U.S. it's 25 bucks there for an eight ounce jug. And uh, I sprinkle it on like salt on your fries, like literally. I mean, a five-gallon bucket, I mean, that little scoop, I think, treats uh, 160 or 16,000 or 1,600 gallons. Yeah, for one little scoop. So it's like, oh, shit, that's, you know. So I put like, I swear, the, like you could count the grains. <laughs> you know, that's how much I put. So, and it, and it works. It works super good, you know. So it's like a miracle powder. I, I divine providence there. I fell on it. Because I was going to, I was going to ditch the DWC there. It was un, untenable. And I see why other people would too. Because I got exactly what they did there, those problems. It's that damn rot, the pythium, man. If you can get around that. Then you don't have to do all that work that you're supposed to do there, which is flushing and cleaning and, you know, and the chillers and all that. That's, you know, it's just problems waiting to happen. There could be leaks. It's a lot of extra cost, period, to run it, to buy it. You know, if you can get around it, shit. Yeah. So it's working for me there. And then one thing I was doing that was kind of dumb is I had my air pumps in the tent. So I'm blowing hot air into the, so I was really warming up my tents or like, or my tents, my, my totes, I should say. Uh, I got this really big uh, pump there. It's a 1,750 gallon per hour, 12 outlet. It's a, you know, those big uh, finned blocks there. And uh, I had it right beside the tote. Oh, it's like the manifold itself was only a few inches away from it. It was boiling hot. So the hoses were boiling hot, the air going in. I remember in the morning, just sw- scooting a tote over and, Feeling the heat coming off the water there. Oh, shit, that can't be good. So uh, I changed that a bit there. I put the pumps on the outside. Also raised them above water level. Uh, that was a nightmare waiting to happen. The, the pump fails. I have UPS uh, systems for the air. So if ever my power goes out, my air is going to run and no matter what. But I never thought of a pump failing, right? Because, I mean, no matter what, it's going to run. So it's not going to leak. So that's all right. It's on the ground. But what if it fails, right? And so that that had occurred to me eventually. Well, just recently, actually, I think it was Dr. Coco that actually brought it up. It's like, yeah, you should raise that. It's like, uh, shit, you're right, you know? Because if it fails, then it floods through the pump, and then you empty the five-gallon pail into the tent, right? So, and that's that's powered that thing so that's water the electricity you know everything goes out then the breaker drops everything's off uh yeah so i'm glad i fixed that 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 dropped the water temps a bit i'm at 72 now maybe 73 instead of 74 75 a few few degrees up a bit I've always wanted to run the system myself, to be honest with you. The, when I initially kind of wanted to run it, uh, I first person I seen to run it was a Hydro Hydra on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Killing it. I mean, that was 
I started looking into that. It was around 2008, and he was running one pound or uh, one plant under a thousand watt light and killing it, just killing it. And I thought, man, that would be so nice. And I still think, you know, using that method today, man, you can crush it. One, one DW five gallon DWC bucket for a thousand watt, and uh, man, he was just. Big old colas. I think he was doing close to two pounds per light back then. And uh, it was just admirable. You know what I mean? But I, at that point, was up in an attic space. Uh, and it wasn't even feasible. It wasn't even feasible. Way too hot out there. I had already went through many of medias just to, for weight purposes and that's one of the reasons I kind of looked into the DWC was you know shit if I can slim everything down into a couple of buckets but it was I couldn't it was too hot I wasn't willing to go get some tillage yeah no I definitely seen the value in the system then you know what I mean I can't believe a lot more uh production uh uh, skill type scale grows don't use it yeah it's a good point i mean it's i i think some of them do but i mean it's it's the logistics on a big scale i think it's not the same it becomes a little more cumbersome right because i looked at all different kinds like they were talking about everything was great like the vegetables and you know watermelon everything was growing bigger everything was growing easier and better and it and there was no lack of vitamins or, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't hollow food there that looked real nice. It was just as it was more nutrient levels. It was, you know, it was everything was good about it. So it's like, well, shit, that's got to be good for cannabis too. Then. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, I want, I want production. I want the Ferrari, you know, but you know, there's consequences to that too. Cause if you don't, if you're, if you're not there and you're not, you know, paying attention, things go south quick, right? Like you'll see it, you know, almost. I time lapse it, so I really do see it. There, you see the color fade, and it drops and it droops. It's like, oh, you know, what did I do? You know, or the opposite. I can, you know, I can fix it and go time lapse it and see the, the next day and see see what I did and did it work? You know, did it did it perk back up or did it? You know, so that that's useful to do that. I time lapsed it from the day I started Eagle, August fifth, there, two thousand nineteen, when I drop the plant the seed in there and I, I started time lapsing from that moment I have everything to today time lapse pretty fucking <laughs> yeah a lot of it's on YouTube there that's mostly what's on YouTube is the time lapses and uh, the walkthroughs were on IG there but uh, yeah man I just I'm glad I did it because it's 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 a record basically a really good one you know? I've often said those uh, time lapse cameras in a, in a tent there could be used to uh, actually dial in your lights uh, according to uh, what your strains or your plants do. You see so them flop. Yeah. Say like you, you yeah. have it all on record. Yeah, shut them lights off as soon as you know, you go back and look at that footage. You're like, man, they only need X amount of light, man. I should be shutting them down right there. 
You could see the DLI. You see the DLI. You know what I mean? Some yeah. of them like a longer day, some like shorter days. Remember, I think I saw a video there where Mr. Faust or whatever there, and they were talking about, you know, some different poinsettias, I think it was there. They're looking at the daily light schedule, and some will flower after 16 hours or whatever. And, uh, <coughs> oh, no, I had a squirrel. What were we talking about? <laughs> I'll use it in the using light for the DLI. Yeah, 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 that's right. So so different plants have different, you know, light requirements per day and potentially if you go too long, you see that droop before the end of the day, right? Like it's like it seems like it gives up. There's like, "Okay, I had enough." And it droops down there and it keeps drooping until the lights go out and then you see it recoup at night and then slowly climbs right back up and super nice vigor right before lights on and then boom, little droop and then back up and she's like praying, you know. So you see that there, that's good day, you know. <laughs> they hop, they they literally headbang. Like if I play at the right rate there, they're, the, the plants are headbanging all the way up. <laughs> Pretty cool. Which is that droop, right? It's that daily, nightly droop there, basically. Would you be playing music that headbang too? Oh, absolutely. I'm a metalhead, bro. I like your playlist, man. You know what I mean? I'm a big fan. Yeah, enjoy some myself. It was funny. I should have said this to uh, Rasufi yesterday. Uh, Bob would even talk about the metal. My oldest daughter now, uh, who is the one that's pregnant. Bringing me the grandbaby, and I'm sorry about that shit. Uh, hey, con congrats <laughs> on that, there, Grandpa. Congratulations, bro. Thanks. So she's telling me the first time we're talking about uh, the, the boyfriend or the daddy, the baby. He's been around for a while. So, uh, what what kind? Of, he's in a band, and he plays uh, heavy metal music, and. Uh, she plays me a little bit of uh, what the band does. It's a little bit of the death metal. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like thinking it's, yeah, yeah. She's thinking it's like going to be like off-putting or something for me. I'm like, yeah, you know. I want to hear right it, man. Now, right now. <laughs> nice. And yeah, she thought it was, yeah. But yeah, it, it was right up my alley. Me and him get along great. No, it's, it's funny to think that, you know, because uh, I'm 50, man. You know what I mean? So I'm a 50 headbanging guy. I listen to Slayer. I listen to all sorts of shit. I can imagine my neighbors like, man, you know, because I, I just, you know, when we were kids, we, we used to, you know, like, I guess, make fun of that. Like, oh, we're going to be 70, man, rocking it out there, you know, with our gray hair and our pipes. And <laughs> it's like, we're, we're there, man. <laughs> our generation is here, you know. The 80s fucking gen, you know. I was a teenager in the 80s, man, you know. 84, I was 13 years old. I lived it. Sam Dunn, man, you know. I lived his life, basically. It was a good time to be alive, man. We're good for sure. Talking about that. Things were a lot different, man. Music, everything was different. That was great times, man. And my childhood was uh, Jimi Hendrix, you know, Genesis, yeah, Pink Floyd, you know. Uh, the stones you know my parents were young so 
they were just coming off the hippie you know thing so yeah man blessed childhood to be to be honest musically i was very lucky <coughs> so did you have uh sounds like uh my my dad his buddies always had that once a week gathering where one guy in this case uh the major major this was actually his name uh would come over and he had he would always have like the new like album hip shit labels out kind of thing uh oh yeah and they would fucking kick the kids out in the fucking house would just fucking freak with weed and they just fucking blast the new album whatever it may be jazz blondie whatever the fuck it was at the time now uh, uh, my uncle had uh, like almost five thousand albums there. He had an insane collection of like vinyl there. You know? he, he was a collector. You know? So going there to listen to music was wow. You know? <laughs> the selection was insane. All the good stuff. You know? My dad was in a in a band. Well, with with my uncle, the the guy that had the albums there. He was the bassist. My dad was the drummer. You know, so I had a musical you know, bringing up too there. But my 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 brother uh, drum kit, and I had a I had a, a guitar and a bass. Well, my uncle's bass basically it was a uh, one of those uh, Paul McCartney uh, violin looking basses there. That was pretty nice. And uh, yeah, so I played around with that. Finally got into some uh, audio recording there a little later on. You know. Uh, hanging out it was a place i hung out there was always a like it was a jam space basically like a rehearsal studio rehearsal space for bands that would jam and bars and stuff and they'd go jam there to practice right so i'd started hanging out there and then he had a board up and stuff and he's like yeah man and he didn't know how to record or nothing he wasn't an engineer or nothing but he had the gear you know so he's like i'm like shit man yeah I had a I had a motorcycle accident there in uh, 90, 92. So when that happened, my dad's like, you know, if you want to do something there, I'll I'll, I'll pay for the schooling. You know, I'm like, Dad, I, I want to be an engineer. I want to do an audio course. So so he did it. He paid for the course, and he got me to an audio engineering uh, course. So I came out of there with a you know a lot of knowledge about boards and stuff and how how to do the whole process basically. So I went back to him and I'm like, man, you know, I, you know, you got me going there. You influenced me and I took the course and he's like, yeah, man, right on. And, and so that was kind of the history and I started doing stuff with them, and learning through them, and and I got some gigs with some of the bands that were practicing there and they'd come record at the studio where I learned, you know. So. Uh, yeah, get a bit of that. <laughs> it's making sense. It's making sense. Even, even Chad has said uh, in several times, I'm like, man, he's got a really nice speaking voice. It's very well suited. <laughs> wow, it's making a little it. sense now. Yeah, I doubt a lot of people, you know. So it's uh, it was a great experience, you know, uh, to be in that atmosphere, man. You know, like the backstage atmosphere with the bands and because I'd go see their shows and go do the live stuff and you know what I mean so that was a lot of fun man. a lot of partying you know 
So when you said, you know, you like metal, it's like, man, <laughs> if you only knew. <laughs> Fucking right, brother. Metal horns all the way. That's why I always put that, you know, that M with the two bars there. That's the horns, man. That's just my lazy horns. <laughs> it's in the you gotta keep the rock and roll live, man. Any more there's music today is kind of shitty. Oh no, shit! <laughs> I don't know. I like... think I'd be. I it's coming I'd back. I mean. It's all a bunch of comes, but the, the only, well, there's only one thing I would say that's good there in the new stuff is the dubstep stuff. I don't know if you heard that or dubstep, but it's like synthesizer but it's kind of like low beat and they double beat it. And you know what I mean? That's what they call it, dubstep, because it's double step there. And uh, But that ma mashed with metal, oh, that's a, like a match made in heaven. Because now they're 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 blending all sorts of metal tunes with that stuff, and they really, you know, because you know how it is. Like back in the '80s, it was crunchy, but it wasn't bassy, not subwoofer like techno high tech bassy there that we have now that we didn't have really back then, you know. So so they can really jazz up a song there, and it's still metal. It's just it's metaler, <laughs> you know. It just feels modern, right? That kind of music. It's like if I were to think of the future, what would music sound like? Dubstep. You know, some of it is a little annoying there, like you know, Flux Pavilion and shit. That they get a little crazy with it there, but Cause it's always the same sound. I don't know. For me, a lot of the newer music, say, uh, what my kids would be listening to, uh, is so over-engineered in my opinion uh like you can you can hear all the overlays or at least i think i can hear all the overlays in it and it just be kind of it becomes confusing or distracting oh they have that audio voice plug in there and so so they can sing like that and it's gonna sound like Celine Dion or you know <laughs> but when you go live there good luck <laughs> they they can still use it but i mean you know it's not as great in real time. It's more of a software plugin. But I mean, it's happened before there where the, I think the plugin failed during the performance and the, it all came out all, you know, all crooked and off key. It's like, oh, everyone's like laughing. It happens because they really can't sing. You know? Most of it, it's not even their songs. You know? They're just singing other people's shit. You know? And it's all garbage. It's, you know, man. <laughs> I haven't seen good stuff in a long time, yeah, to be honest. I go it back. Goes with uh, everything these days. I mean, TV movies. right now is being recycled, movies, yeah, music. It's kind of disheartening. It's like, man, nobody's coming. Nobody's got some originality right now. I mean, come on. That's the way I see all that stuff. It's, it's a sad state of affairs, to be honest. There's not much, you know. They've destroyed the movies, you know. I, I follow a guy on YouTube there. His name is uh, The Critical Drinker. He, he's great, man. He's I think he's from uh, England somewhere. and uh, But he kind of goes through all the movies and how they ruined them. And, you know, the whole woke culture and all that stuff there. I, I'm on his side of the, the fence on that stuff. And I'm old school, man. 
So uh, is there anything that's uh, caught your eye or anything you'd like to be growing right now? Get your hands on? Yeah, well, now I've actually got some nice strains there. I've got uh, Hindu root beer from uh, Kyle from uh, Pure Breeding, which is a cool, interesting mix there, a cross. And I've got another cross that's a watermelon gelato crossed with a Mac V2, which is supposed to be Cap's cut there that I, he crossed himself. My, uh, one of our buddies from, uh, from uh, Cocoa for Cannabis, or OC Grower 76. He sent us all some seeds there, so I, that, that this is a, a clone of a clone of a seed that I grew a while back. I kept it alive there, and now it's uh, it's coming to fruition finally, and it's pretty frosty there. Like, it's one of the nicer ones I've grown. So it's just a matter of seeing what the terps bring. I cloned her, so if it's nice, I, I got a backup. It's actually what's under the white bucket there. Or if you could see it. The two little baby clones that are struggling there. There's a bucket upside down there. They're under the bucket. That's my clone dome. <laughs> it works, man. The, the light's too close, right? If I had a clear dome there, they'd be cooking. But because it's white, it's it's reflecting through kind of evenly. Almost like a photo booth, yeah? Where they put the white walls in. Because I pull the cover off and they're super happy. It's like, nice. Keep them there. They root. They're flower. They're in flower. I took them in flower. It's going to be a monster crop. Reveg. Do you uh, run anything outdoor? No, no. I've all done everything in tent because I I don't have any room outside. And uh, being where I am, it's the seasons are way too short. I don't think I could pull it off. Maybe an auto there if I started indoors, but. It's too damn cold, and I don't have no sun, to be honest. Too much in the city. Uh, a lot of Canadian growers have definitely changed my mind on autos. Uh, I've seen some of you guys produce boom, boom farms for one. Some huge outdoor autos that are quite impressive that make me reconsider it. A little tiny bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not spreading the cash just yet. But a little bit One took me by surprise. There, I, it was a Amnesia Haze XL. There, I did it over uh, well last summer. I did it for a spring auto flower challenge. There, I'm thinking, okay, because I don't want to grow it during the summer. It's too expensive and it's too hot. You know, it's too much of a struggle there. So I'm thinking, okay, well I'll do an auto. It'll be quick. You know, done quick. Usually it's around July. So end of July when it's done. So I figured maybe it'll be a little quicker, but it was an XL, you know, Anisha Hayes XL. I should have thought of that there. So it, it was 126 days. <laughs> I harvested August 26th. It's like the whole summer, the whole heat wave. And then when it was time to dry it, it was still boiling outside. So I kind of overdried it a bit, you know, but I got a almost two pounds. Well, almost it was one kilo. It was 692 grams and 380 a larf. So over a kilo, basically, out of one auto. Yeah, it was a monster. But yeah, it was a haze. So it's I don't pretty know. impressive. So how, 
How does an auto work in DWC? I mean, most of the time, from what I've gathered, you know, the triggers are little things like stress and, you know, when it hits the bottom of the bucket, shit like that. So, when well, yeah, I, I, I had heard that because you see, I had, I usually start them in two gallon buckets and then depending on the root size, I'll flip them and then slap them in their five gallon bucket. But and so when I do that, the root's not touching the bottom, and it takes, it seemed to take forever for them to flower. Because the roots, right, it's not at the bottom, it's not. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to leave them in the two gallon, let it really fill it up, and then switch it over to the five, but flip it while it's in the two. So it's all bunched up there, and it feels like it's got a, you know, like it's, you know, somewhat compacted there. And sure enough, man, it, it seems to flower faster. Around, the onset comes on quicker, it seems. And as soon as I see pistols, boom, I swip it over to uh, the five-gallon bucket, and she does her thing, and I'm good to go, and I got root expansion. You know what I mean? Because they never really stop growing till the very end there. They're always, even during the stretch, they're growing as much as during veg. So. Again, they want to... Uh... Another conflicting myth, I guess, I see here is uh, they're light feeders. So how do you uh, necessarily feed me? Now? I, I didn't really notice a difference. It was pretty much the same. Maybe a 100 EC difference, you know? Because when I did those autos, the cheese and the super skunk, and then I did my green cracks, my green cracks went a little yellow, you know? They were a little pale there, so I had to up DC a bit. And that was based on my auto grow. So that tells me, yeah, you know, a little bit, but not not a whole lot, right? I'd say maybe 100 to 200 DC at the most. So if I was at 12, I probably had it at 13 or 1350 instead of 12. So something like that. But that depends on the strain too, right? So... Maybe my green crack was a little more demanding. If I would have done a different off photo after, it would have been the same. You know, it's hard to say. I got to try them all, you know, at least once. <laughs> then I'll know. Then I'll have an idea at least. Because it's all blind luck there, right? Except for green crack, because I've been growing it a lot. I grew up four times. So. Two seed batches and two clone batches, basically, from the seed batches. You got a long way to, especially at the rate breeders are breeding today, man. Uh, you got a long way to go before you'll try them all. Oh, I know. It's nuts. <laughs> and I thought there was like 700 strains. There's more like 7,000. And now it's more like 17,000. It's like, holy shit, man. Like, okay. Got to narrow it down to the top, you know, the gold. You know what I mean? Because you'll never get to them, you know? Don't waste your time on the on the mediocre stuff. There's too much good stuff out there to to get, to try. And that's the other thing is you don't know till you try it. So I was big on sample packs, you know, getting mixed ounces there with a three and a half of each here and just a little puff of everything just to smoke it, just to know, you know. So you don't want to grow a whole plant and you hate it, you know. It's like, ah, <laughs> no. Let, let's be smart about it, right? But then again... Sometimes you might not get the same pheno and it won't turn out the same anyway. So 
It really depends. They should send a sample with your seed back. <laughs> a little, you know, a little smokable sample there. Here's what you, you know, should get. Yeah. That'd be nice. Be pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Where well, you could smoke it, and it's like, meh. Now nah, we'll put that in the, in the in the drawer for later. You know. <laughs> or yeah, I'm yeah. dropping this one now. You know, <laughs> kind of thing. You know. Careful what you ask for. Before long, they won't even be chucking the seeds. They'll be giving what just what you asked for. They'll be getting the bud seeded in the tube. They won't even bust or count the seeds. They'll just be like, all right, there you go. Yeah. Free buds. You might yeah. get 10 to 15. You might get five. Your draw. <laughs> My, I used to frown on those. Then I got those, you know, those green crack back seeds there. It's like, man, that was uh, a blessing in disguise. There's gold in them bags, you know. It's just a matter of how it was hermied and, you know, how, how you know, what are the details, you know. And for me, it was like, you know, I was getting this stuff from the same place. It was always the same stuff. It was always really good and never a seed. This one ounce had 35, 40 seeds in it. It was exactly the same potency, same taste, same everything, but seeded. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to hold on to these. So as soon as it was time to grow there, it's like, oh, yeah, that's contestant number one. Well, first I wanted to try autos because I've never even seen that. You know? And then I, then I dropped those there. So I was crossing my fingers. I dropped eight to get four, right? Thinking regulars, right? Nope. I got eight fems. <laughs> oh, boy, okay. So I've grown. Did you keep them? I did. did keep them? One, one hermed, thank God. <laughs> so I had seven, and I grew them all out, and they were delicious, man. So I repeated the process, did another eight. Those all grew out. So, yeah. <laughs> And clone those. Did a double batch with that clone batch. Pretty good. Did a reveg on another bag seed. I found a, a pink kush bag seed. Grew that out and it turned out to be delicious. It was exactly like what I had. Maybe even a little better because I grew it. <laughs> I took my own horn, but I'm sure it was. And uh, so I, I cloned that, but I cloned it too late. I took it in, in flower and it revegged. So I got the experience of seeing that there, which is really freaky there. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you see some really weird growth, eh? Like it's just half leaf, half calyx, half, you know, what the hell is this mutant thing? But it snaps out of it, starts growing normal. You know? Takes a while. Oh, yeah. I've definitely replanted quite a few plants. And actually, I think it was close to five years ago now it was the first time I actually uh, refetched a bud. So I just took actually a bud, a little piece of leaf on it, threw it in the oxycloner and actually brought the bud back to life. Nice. Watched it revetch, which is a, a pretty cool monster crop uh, after that process. That must have looked really weird there. A uh, full nugger revegging. It's been freaky. Yeah, there's pictures on the Instagram somewhere still. It was cool. uh, the skull punch, that, uh, a stream that I named for uh, Metro One. Oh, ladybug friend. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was, uh, 
was uh, very fucking skunk beard by times banana punch was the, the strain. I think it was so delicious that I had to, I didn't, you know, I ran it through. I necessarily didn't expect it to be that good, but it was that good. And so last I last resort just, there. Yeah. 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 I don't blame you. Very last result, resort, as you say, too. Wasn't enough of the plant to re-veg. It was just down to that that there bog. You ever try a plant a plant reveg like where you you know you harvest it, but you kept the trunk and you try to reveg it that way? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's in, I think it's more of a difficult process to be honest with you. More more time consuming. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you've got to be careful with your watering because it isn't using next to nothing. You have to be very light on your uh, nutrition uh, when you're watering that when the, the rebed's there until it starts taking it off. Otherwise, you do risk the, the or run the risk rather of uh, root rot just kind of killing it off, drowning out that roots during the rebed process where I found putting that bud back into the cloner and revegging that way, it threw roots in seven to 10 days and it was instantly from there on pushing through the reveg phase. It saved so much more time and space than having one of these 10 gallon pots floating around trying to reveg. Yeah. Reveg yeah. it that way. Because I'd seen it done, and then I, I, I tried it, but I, I screwed up. I didn't leave no leaves or nothing, no shoots. There should be at least a bud growing or something, some larf, right? But I, I, I forgot to leave a spot. There was one little baby spot at the bottom, but the trunks were, you know, the, the roots were so big. That was my problem, because in DWC, they're just soaking in water, right? So they're in nutrients. I think it was 1,600 EC or something like that. So I, it, it just started turning brown. You know, It's like they're not being used, right? So they're just sitting there and it's like, oh man, they were starting to go bad. And it's like, ah, you know, forget it. I'll <laughs> just get rid of this there because it's good. It would have potentially worked if I, you know, really waited there, but it just seemed like a, but it makes sense what you're saying about watching how you water it because it's really not using nothing, right? It's just sitting there kind of waiting for, veg, you know, so, well, to change phases basically because it's in flower, right? So it's got to reveg somehow. It's got no leaves. How how does he even know, right? It needs some kind yeah, of a sensor, right? Couple shade leaves on there. Minimal. Yeah. Because I don't think the trunk can sense light, right? I wouldn't know that it's in twelve twelve or eighteen six or you know what I mean. It would have to be you in eighteen six to reveg. Yeah, that's that's a good question because I was actually. Uh, watching this thing unrelated to cannabis the other day and they were talking about how a stump could stay alive for years and years and years just oh, from shit. communication through other trees basically through, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, through the soil there. I've it seen trees come out of, of, of cut ones right like they, they'll grow out of the middle of a cut tree there a little branch sprout out there and kind of regrow so you're right it's it must stay alive somehow there what the yeah, hell, it, eh? cannabis is a fucking resilient plant i mean 
super recently. That's I've freaky. done some shit to it, man. I've actually, I've actually broke plants and you know trying to look, uh, uh, just bend them. They've gotten too big. It wasn't necessarily low stress training or nothing. It just had to be done to yeah. to fit my tent and shit. And might be a little woodsy, you know, in the initial bend there, and it just breaks. Snap! Oh yeah, snap! And oh. there'd just be enough of that fiber on on it that to where I just went okay, flipped it right back over. So yeah. that I've used that little piece of skin kind of like as a band-aid, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it can take right back off. So nice. Holy shit, man. There's absolutely nothing holding that thing on there. But yeah, I've, I've definitely put these plants through a lot of shit. They always seem to amaze what the shit they'll come back through, even stronger most times. No, exactly. It's like a big knuckle there, you know. Like I snapped one just the other day there because I was pulling the pot up to kind of drain the roots here and I hit the the top of the light and uh, it, so I saw it's hanging there and it's like ah okay so I just put a little piece of masking tape that green stuff there just wrap wrap the trunk like with a, a inch and a half or whatever there just enough to keep it up a few days took it off and there was a little knuckle there a little ball you know nice and solid probably the strongest branch now <laughs> like it never missed a beat there they really are resilient. It could be just a little hair there, and as long as you tape it back up, it'll it'll rebond somehow. Uh, it's life that doesn't give up. Yeah, you know? it doesn't die. Yeah, you know? I like I like that idea. So when you chop it, it's really still alive. Yeah, you know? it's not it's not dead. All the functions are still going. It's got nothing to work with. No, I sold that point to a lawyer here in Michigan. And, uh, at one point, uh, they're, they're forever trying to to fuck us here in Michigan. Uh, <laughs> and they, at one point, the the wording was so gray that they were trying to say, uh, discussing weight, uh, basically anything in the in between, uh. I mean, instantly over because of the wet weight. So, and then when did unusable cannabis become usable? And I argue, in fact, just like you're saying, there was no in between. There's no in between. There, that plant is absolutely 100% alive until it's taken its last breath and is dry. And at that point, it's usable. Yeah. Is there, Cannabis, if you're you know, looking at it like that, I mean, it's either alive or dead. If it's dead, you, it's useful. It's scientific, you know what I mean? The plant never dies, it wilts. <laughs> so, you know, in a court of law, you know, that plant is never dead, it's always alive. It's just a matter of degrees of aliveness, right? It's one percent alive because <laughs> it's still green, it's got moisture, right? I don't think it would re-veg, <laughs> but it's beyond the point of no return. Yeah. I've kind of argued that fact with uh, uh, quite a few people when we talk about the new ways we dry cannabis. Uh, I'm on board with 
with trying any, all of it myself. You know, I I drive my cannabis uh, different than everybody else's. I don't want to get into name drops, but I use a dryer machine, and, and a lot of people scoffed at it. I scoffed at it. I didn't think it would work, but it it worked really well, and it, a lot of people wanted to throw stones at it. And after putting a lot of thought into it, it kind of reverts back to what we were just saying. That plant's still alive until it's completely dry and then it's usable. I don't necessarily think that rushing that time up under certain conditions is ruining the cannabis at all. I mean, it's just a quicker preserving rate and uh, it's just drying it at the phase it was in. Now, if you're wanting a longer, I think that's the difference is between like a long cure or long upside down hang is just that, is uh, the diet time. You know, the, I don't think necessarily it's the temperature and all of that. I think you've just uh, you've provided all the right dish, uh, conditions for it to slowly die out a little bit better. But, it's just the rate at which water leaves, right? Because the slower, the better, they, they were saying. But at the same time, like, to be honest, I'd say that's probably the best cure is the slower, the better. If you could, you know, gradually bring it down, like you don't want to keep it at 80, but at the same time, you don't want to go past your, your target RH and you want to keep it there. So, so there's two parts, right? There's the dry, then the cure. So you want to get it to cure RH and then keep it there, right? So how fast? is that choice like with canatrol and the way i was drying is the faster the better not the 60 60 but more like the 68 max you know as far as temperature and 55 52 maybe day one and day two maybe then 57 60 you know for day three right up to day five or at 60 so that you're, you end up with 60 on the bud and usually that's for me the tell is i'll take a nug off the brand somewhere and i'll just bend it you know the actual nug connection there that final nug and just try to break it off if it breaks off and it snaps right off i think i went too far if it snaps off but there's a little string then uh, to me that's perfect then i jar it up check it with rh meters if it's anywhere over 65 i'll burp it like i'll leave the jar open till it's down below 65 then i'll jar it up seal it up bovita pack it and keep it at 62 and burp it every day for the first three weeks and then uh, do the, the if it's 62 it stays there and i won't burp it anymore it's ready to smoke at that point but two months is ideally how long you'll wait there that that's what i do but with the canatrol it's even faster it's four days and eight days. Uh, so it's eight days. So four days and four days. So four dry, four cure. And at that point, you can literally smoke it. And it burns perfect. There's no black, no nothing. But it tastes a little green, right? The chlorophyll is still kind of in there. It's just that the, the water is gone. But the chlorophyll hasn't broken down quite yet. So I think the idea with Canatrol was, it's not that it's cured and ready to smoke, but it's cured and ready to cure. In the sense that you don't have to burp it anymore. Like you went through your three weeks or you got it to 62. It's not chlorophyll is still leaving, 
So it potentially it's going to off gas, but you want to burp it maybe once, you know, after the three weeks and that's it. So there's really nothing less to, left to lose from it except that chlorophyll. So, to, and it, to me, it took a little, like less time. Like it would be three weeks from the chop to get to the no chlorophyll taste. And with this canatrol, I feel it was maybe a little less, like maybe 18 days or, or 15 days or something like that, like two and a half weeks. And it was chlorophyll taste was gone completely. So I'm definitely sold on it. It tastes better. It, it seems to preserve what's in there more. I don't smell it. Like when I pull it out of the canatrol, like if I were to open a door before it's done, it smells green. There's no terp smell whatsoever. When it's done, I pull it. I put it in my sea vault, let it sit in there. It still smells, meh, you know, greenish. Never really any terps. It's it's a little deceiving because, but but then I remembered about you know if you smell it, you lost it. So it's like good. I don't smell nothing. We're good. Then you know, final break it out of the sea vault. Put it in my little jar there to drop down about fifty eight RH. <clears throat> break that out. And when you put it in the jar and you crumb it, you, you, you grind it, that's where the smell comes out. You smell the pile there and it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> nice. And sure enough, man, it's, it's excellent. It's better than, because I didn't buy the troll for improving my cure. I, I bought it to improve the method. It was such a pain in the ass to get it to that, you know, to those, uh, those parameters to dry it, right? And the tent and all that, and the temperature, especially if you had another grow going. I mean, you can't, I'm sharing a lung room, right? One needs 70 or 65, and the other one needs like 75. So it's like, oh shit, now what do you do? So either one plant's freezing or one plant's too hot. So obviously the plants that are growing are freezing because I'm not going to fuck up my dry, right? So it's, it's not for long here, but still five days. So that saved me all that headache, and that tent is basically clear to keep doing what it was doing, right? Grow or whatever, I don't have to dry no more. Just a little smaller. I'm a little worried. I got three plants that are coming up there, and I don't think they'll all fit. So I may do a, a one-day dry. That was suggested there in the book. It's like, well, you know, it might fit more if you... Because the first day is where you get, like, maybe half the water out of it. And then, you know a partial dry trim at there at that point so it's fully trimmed but it's a little drier and uh, then drop that in the troll then maybe it could fit three pounds instead of two uh, 2.2 they say three maybe even four and get that dried off i don't think i'll have that much it's three plants wouldn't be more than three pounds i don't think so uh, it's capable since it's controlling it has a digital readout where it's controlling the amount of moisture in there yeah yeah it's dew point and it keeps it on a curve and it's really like it's it's not rh it's uh it's water content right so it's always matching what's in the air and it measures it so it's and it flushes it so if it's too hot or too cold it'll just mess with the temperature to make it so that it's always the constant rh and i see it there at first it's like 73 and then it goes uh, down to 68 and then it drops down to uh, near the dry the end of the dry it's down to 54 the rh but then it drops back up by the end of cure phase it's you're right back up to 60 62 
depending on your settings. The default is 60. So when you pull it out, it's 60RH. It's perfect. Felt 62 was a little too damp, even though that's what I used. And 58 was the perfect smoking RH. You know, like brown sugar when you crumbed it there. A little moist, but not wet. You know? So, yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely... Uh, Definitely something I'm happy I bought because now I once I chop I know it's gonna be good. I don't have to worry anymore. There's no no uncertainty with the cure and the dry and all that because that's the most important part to be honest. You can ruin it if you do it wrong. You know? I've been there. Kind of like a uh, controlled humidor, drying humidor, basically. Yeah, yeah. These guys used to cure cheese, right? So. And cheese is a long ass cure. Like it's not just a few months or a few days, or it's it's months and years. So they they had it down the technology, and they just converted it over to cannabis. And so if you think about fine cheeses there in France and stuff like that, yeah, it's that kind of stuff there. These guys are connoisseurs, right? So they know what they're doing. It's not some fly by night. Oh, let's let's try and make a cure box now. These guys have been curing cheese, man. <laughs> Jesus, old world, man. Yeah, I'm not a big uh, on the long-term cure myself. It just doesn't last. I, mean, I prefer a, a fractured cannabis myself. Uh, so, uh, you know, I do, I have seen some nice cures. It, but to me, I'm just kind of trying to take it to a step that it's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I don't want it uh, to get there, you know. But it's starting to get there where you know you got too much. So there's, I still got some from my first, my first harvest, which is like 14 grows ago. It's crazy. But I still have some, you know. Been there for a year and a half now, cured. It's changed. Some of them change, right? They'll 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 literally change on you. So that's interesting too. Yeah, science experiments. It's unifying the, the terps, I think. I think the whole curing process is controlling that off gas that you were talking about, but it's more or less a, a gym, gym bag effect. All yeah, individual yeah, terps that you're, you would have noticed when it was fresher, you threw into the gym bag and they all kind of off gas, blended, and then soaked back into the material. They it's melded. They, they they say that about a Big Mac there. That if you make a Big Mac, you got to let the flavors meld, which is kind of like combine, right? It's like, uh, okay, whatever. Uh, not the best flavors combined, but, but you get the idea. It's a bit like hash, right? The curing, it creates new terpenes and they, 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 they combine to, to create new stuff. So essentially they meld together to... Uh, new scents and smells and yeah i'm right there at the hash thing too shit the last time i washed hash i yielded almost eight ounces of hash it's that right here until i smoked every bit of it <laughs> i remember you had that <laughs> big jar there <laughs> was it a one liter or it, two liter it was a, a skull it was a 16 ounce jar 16, yeah. Nice, nice. I love that hash. It's overdue right now. I need to, to make some bubble. 
Oh, I haven't done some in a while there. It's uh, so much water, eh? I got my rosin presser, so now it's like, uh, you know, how can I get it quicker? I tried dry sifting, but uh, that trim tray there doesn't do too well. So give me two seconds. I'm going to take a shirt off. That's another thing I'm kind of on the fence about right there too, brother, is uh, squishing my nice hash into rosin. Oh, yeah. Man, I'd rather, like, just squish the flour and get all the oils and everything that uh, out of the butt, all the straight turps. You lose so much turps in the washing process. Exactly. You know why? Now, the dry sift is interesting to me because there's not so much that loss, right? You get a little more turps out of it. I mean, some trucks are still stuck to it there. It'd be nice to do the flour, but at the same time, you get a little more waxes from the flour, so kind of a trade-off, right? It'll be a little, it's a lot more rewarding to press the sift or the, the bubble because it's like, you know, almost all of it's coming out there. It's like it's, it really does gush, right? Because the flour, you have to really load the bag to get a nice stream out of it, you know? My little three and a half, five gram bottle tech crushes there. I don't, I don't get the gush. You know, there's not enough. I'd have to put it right by the edge of the plate there. You know, kind of thing. So, yeah, those are way more interesting to see. You know. So, what's your main ingestion method? Or do you prefer joints, dabs? These days, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm a joint roller, man, because, well, you know, when all that stuff came out, then I, you know, of course, had to try all the different methods, right? I got them all. I got a bong, I got a bowl, I got a knee nail. Um, what else did I try? I got all the vape stuff there. I got a rosin vape. I got a herb vape. And all that stuff is meh, you know. I like, a, I like to smoke a joint with a zigzag and smoke my rosin through ashes in a bowl. <laughs> And that's it. That's how I smoke my stuff. Yeah. And my edibles, it's my MCT oil infused uh, to my coffee. It's pretty simple. Easy to do. It's not super convenient. You know, I can't do it anywhere but here. Like for the bowl, because it's ashes. I mean, I'd have to smoke some weed in it first so that I have ashes to burn through after. It's like a frame, right? And it's a, kind of an old trick for other other stuff there. <laughs> I never did it, but I heard about it, and I'm like, oh, that would work good. And uh, so, yeah, it does. It's perfect. It literally melts into the ashes, and you see it turn red. So basically, I, I light the rosin so that it melts into the ashes, and the ashes go red, right? So it burns like, like when you're smoking your cigarette. You know it goes red there? It literally burns into it, melts into the ashes, and goes red. It's burning through the ashes like a frame, right? Because the ashes are still there. There's just nothing there. It's just a burnt frame of ash. But the rosin burns into it. it doesn't destroy the ash. It still become, it's still that piece of ash. And it melts into it and burns through it. Like a filter. Because if you put it on a screen, like a steel metal filter, it'll literally fall through the screen and into the pipe and onto the walls and it doesn't really burn. You know, if you really put the flame to it there it'll kind of burn it off but it's mostly a loss right so with the ash it, it literally doesn't go through it stays on top and it burns through and you don't have to hold the flame to it you just got to get it going and once it gets going it'll burn itself it'll fall into itself as it gets hotter it's kind of cool
So uh, how come uh, do you usually throw the worms right in there? I like, I mean, I like a good worm in my fucking joints. You ever just skip and throw it in with the farmer? Well, it's mine with rosin. It's hard because I use a machine to roll it. So I have to hand roll it if I do that. Or else it'll get all gummed up in the machine there and I can't get it. Because I, I want the rosin on the inside and I coat it. I coat it like, like honey oil. I used to coat my joints with honey oil there. I'd literally put so much, I'd have to put a second paper over top and then roll it, you know. But you want the oil on the inside to imbibe with the weed, and it won't do that if it's between two papers. So so I try to get it on the paper itself and roll it with the weed, but then you can't make it too big because, you know what I mean? You can't really roll it up there. There's, it's all gummy and stuff. It's a tricky, it's a tricky oh, I feat. Use a, I use a roller myself, brother, too. Uh, do always. Oh, yeah. So what I do, is, especially with that, if I'm rolling at like a hash joint, is I'll lay basically a, a nice little bed of cannabis in there, and then I'll take my I'll roll my can or my hash worm, and then I'll lay it in there, and then I'll lay another bed of cannabis over top of that, so that worm's like directly in the middle, and then I'll nice. hold her up, and then I'll just give her that one quick rip as fast as i can <laughs> perfect yeah you don't and, want to bunch uh, into one side the, there right the least you move it the burn. less yeah that's perfect i'm with you though man I, every time i see like the beautiful joints on instagram or the ones they want to study at the dispensary where they drift it all around the outside yeah it's like it that's the shit i'm like Paper's airtight, man. Yeah, paper's airtight, bro. <laughs> like it's it, you gotta suck real hard on it when you're taking your toke so that the smoke coming off the outside gets sucked in, or else I mean it's just blowing off. In the it's it's an for everybody. Else. At that time. Exactly. <laughs> Looks nice, but I mean no, it's gotta be on the inside. Paper's airtight for a reason. <laughs> Like those, uh, what do they call them? They're moon rocks or whatever they're. Like they'll take a nug, they'll dunk it in honey oil, and then they'll roll it in keef. And okay, you know. It's like, good luck crumbing that up. No, don't put that in your grinder. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> You'll be picking it out for weeks. So it's like, no. I'll do my own so mix. It's, it's one of my other pet peeves there, DWC. Uh, is fucking the grinder. Oh, I hate I hate the grinder. Oh man, I so so hate grinders. I, I, I need a solid steel one to say they're uh they dumb down your your oh I've got it and this is the best and I and I modified this one. Is that a tight it's you know uh I don't know it's it's a regular it's full of fucking weed right now. I should roll this shit. Uh, but I drilled that fucker out. It's a 516 bore right there. Nice. Compared to when, uh, despite saying that fucking grinders, I don't. Oh, I even drilled this one out. I can't even show you it. Nice. <laughs> I guess the outside holes, they were like right there. There's a, like, if I fucking flip it around. Right yeah, you can see on the high spot, you can see one, one little hole. 
So I went and drilled these outer ones as fat out as I could, but they were all like that size to begin with. The little and baby one there, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't. That uh, it just. It, I think it's a turp killer for one, and then you're uh, grinding all your fucking trichomes up and you're catching them, you know, in the key catcher. Yeah. So it's dumbing down that thing you worked so hard to grow and at as high a strength as you could grow it. Why do you want to go backwards? And I, it just it blows my mind to be honest with you. Yeah, that's and the then, first uh, thing I take chunk- out. I'm a, I've always been a chunky joint guy. Even back in before I roll, I can roll a good joint, but they seem to fall apart for some reason. Grinder or no grinder fall apart, but I can use that roller and it'll stick every time. But I just feel it it keeps the butt a little bit more the way it's supposed to be keeps the yeah. turps there keeps the, you know everything there it burns slower you know it might look a little shitty but it burns slower nice yeah. right. serum it's your it's your product your flower you do with it with it as you wish but, yeah. yeah i got a can of troll one there well they sent me a, a hat and a, a grinder and stuff because i had a little hose problem there with the back of the unit and uh it's it's coat it's like uh one of those coated ones there like Teflon or whatever. Then I re- I realized why you know because it's gonna be really terpy and you know sticky and stuff. So you better have a good grinder because you're gonna be you know it gets there like it's so terpy that you you grind it and it's still all in the grinder. You gotta whack it with a hammer and it's still not coming out. You gotta brush it out with a little brush or like those little trim uh, trim tray brushes. Or I usually use that to clean out my grinder because my weed's too damn sticky. It's all over the grinder. Like, how do I get it out? I'm whacking it so hard, it's pieces of metal are coming off it. You know? Oh man, it's a good problem. I like that. That's a good sign. It's a good weed. Yeah, you know? super damn sticky, but it's useful. You, know, you need that non-stick stuff. So you can't really clean it. If you do, you got to be real careful. You don't want to use a razor blade and start scraping all that non-stick off there. Yeah? If you're uh, Better, collector better more, <laughs> more 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 reason for them scissors brother <laughs> yeah man old can, school. Uh, yeah. as it builds up on the scissors man you just take the razor blade sh- 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 got some nice scissor hash you add into that joint as it builds up you're adding sure. again you're adding to it you're not taking away from it you're throwing it right back in there Ooh, delicious <laughs> It's like making hash, you know, instant hash, instant hash. That's what I like about the trim phase there. It's like some instant, you know, gratification. Because usually you got to wait for the cure and it's like, you're not going to get to taste it right away. Even if you do, it's going to taste green. But those trikes still, you know, when you're done trimming there and you give it a good little shake there, that golden powder there, that's very tasty, you know, and it's ready now. So I really enjoy it. So I take it, you're a dry trimmer. Are you a dry trimmer? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I like like I said before the canatrol, I was basically letting it dry till at least like I, at first it was till the fifth day and I dry trim completely dry. But then I started trimming on day two. Let the plant go limp. I'd hang it whole with all the fans, not take nothing off. Day two, I'd go in, strip it down, try to get everything off by hand. Day three, full default by hand. 
no 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 scissors if I could like a finger trim I guess and that was the final trim till she was dry and dried trim what was left and it was really not much because I got most of it in my fingers but then that finger hash that I made from that holy shit yeah. nice little ball because I'd do it on purpose there and really rub the leaf and get all the the trikes off you know what I mean as I was trimming it so I kind of collected a bit of charis that way made a nice little ball and then uh, day five well there wasn't much left but you know after trimming a few plants, there's a nice little pile of a beige under the screen there. So it's like, oh, gather that, do a bowl. You know? Super tasty. Man. And then all this, all the trim, once that was dry, you know, sift that. That made a nice little ball of hash too. So. That Press that, that makes super nice rosin. Really nice. Terpy. Stirpy enough, you don't really need to press it. I mean, if you were just apply a bit of heat, turn to hash like 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 uh, like Frenchie's hash. Yeah, good sift. You should be able to fucking uh, put in some parchment paper, fold it, and give it the old Indian bird. <laughs> yeah, or the palm tester, where he says just take a little bit in the palm and kind of press it for thirty seconds. If it comes off all gummy, there you got good stuff. You know? That's what I want. I want to get that. So far, so good. So the hash I remember was, you know, pretty good, but still, it wasn't. You know, I think it was more that seven-year cure that made it good, not because it was super high-quality hash to start with, right? Although it was, but not not like we have now type thing. I don't think, anyways, because now if I were to make the same kind of hash they used to make, like like Frenchie teaches to make, not with the bubble, but with with the actual traditional way of it, uh, I'm not sure how they do it, but it's like a dry sieve hash, a bit like the Morocco way there, where they do the drumming on it. You know? it. Yeah, exactly. So it's a dry sift extract, and then they hash it up with water and heat. And uh, yeah, man, if I could do that process with this quality of terpene, you know, hash that we or weed that we grow, my God, that would be way, way, way better. Well, rosin is that basically, right? It's the new hash, super hash. <laughs> I enjoy me some uh, good uh, hash, but I enjoy uh, full body like Frenchie hash. Press, yeah. about more full body. It's that long term cure, right? Those new terpenes he talks about there, that's on, you know, you can't, they, they come from nowhere. Like they didn't exist before, now they're there. So that's, that is something special too. Yeah. There's something to it, you know. The reason why they did it. So, uh, do you do any type of manipulation during the flower phase? Are you an defoliator to do this well, super cropping two, two, three weeks there? Yeah, I've done a bit of everything. Like at first I wouldn't top at all. I would just LST, do a lot of training that way. Super crop if I had to, if it was really stretching there. As farthest I've done super cropping was in week five of flower. 
Legs were set in and everything, and uh, she was going to get way too high there, so I just snapped her. And she bounced right back. I didn't tie it down. It bounced. It straightened right back up, but it took a bit, so by the time it straightened out, all the other ones caught up. So it kind of worked out. But I was worried because, you know, what they say after week three there, it's you're risking it. You might stunt and, you know, decide to not grow anymore or whatever. But that was all right. That worked out. Then I started topping and holy shit, now I'm never going back. Node six or at the most, I'm topping to three and I'm keeping all the nodes or sometimes four, depending there. If it's a clone, I'll keep four nodes. I call it the crack line. <laughs> Top it at four there and keep the last four nodes and train those out. Yeah. Or two, two or four. But in flower, yeah, like there's not much else I can do. For default, I was a big fan of uh, hashtag leave the leaf there. So I try to leave as much as I can. I'd never take anything off the top of the canopy, like no fans at all. And then at the t bottom, all well, the bottom third would always be cleared out there for ventilation. But then, you know, you try to not get some leaf on leaf, the inner fans, inner pointing fans would be removed and stuff like that. But then, you know, I started getting issues with PM and stuff like that because it was pretty crowded. And my RH was too high. Even removing the right amount was still, you know, too much. So now I'm doing a little more default. You know, you can, the light gets through the canopy a little more than it used to. But uh, still more leaf than, than most, I guess. It's not schwazen by any means. More leaf than not enough, I'd say. But it's really for that, they're for the RH. That's what scares me the most. Yeah, I'd like to defoliate myself. I'm becoming more and more of a thing. Quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The plant seems to be able to take it, you know, like it, it didn't change nothing. And in a sense, like I, it was really bushy and then I debushed it. So I, I figured, well, all that bush had a lot of root to support it. That root's still there. So maybe it's still got somehow the energy to, to proceed and put, put more, but instead of, well, see the leaf is providing energy. It's not taken away. So it's always a loss. It's just a matter of, you know, preventing other problems, right? Like rot and mold and PM and stuff. So, but I don't know, there's different thoughts. There's other leaves, are there other places that don't get seen, that now get seen, but you know, they, you know, they were in a different phase of life, but now they're in the light, so they'll switch and they'll change and they'll absorb the light now. They'll be direct sunlight leaves, but they weren't at first, right? So there's a little loss, but It'll be regained, I think. It's just that, you know, everything at the top is closer. So it's inverse square laws. The lower you go, the way, it's not just double. Like if you double the, the distance, it's quadruple the effect. So <clears throat> you want to keep the light and the leaves on top there because the leaves that are lower aren't getting as much. And if you want them to get as much, the ones at the top are going to get too much. You're going to burn your tops, you're going to get bleaching, you know. You're going to stop photosynthesis because it's saturating it. 
it's no longer doing it. And now the bottom ones are, you know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> and once you understand light, you know, Dr. Coco is great for that because he really makes you understand it. The icing on the cake, right? You want your icing to be even. You don't want it to be too thick. You don't want it to be too thin. Just perfect. Yeah, I'm becoming an icing specialist. <laughs> Get a parameter, man. That's the best way. Oh, you know. The plants definitely use the LED light, I think, differently these days. Uh, the wider spectrum, a little bit of green there. I think uh, seeing the plant just utilizes that energy. I don't think that... Uh, you need as thick a canopy across the top. I do believe they penetrate a lot de de uh, deeper for one. And I find that even if I don't clean up that lower area, that I'm still ending up with nice lower nugs under the LED lights. So I don't know. I, and again, I kind of feel at some points the leaves just overgrow and are using more energy than they're, they're actually uh, putting into the system. Uh, so I think it's myself, I find it more beneficial to pull that energy off and let it come from somewhere else and be used somewhere else. Well, see, that's that's what I learned from Doc, is he says that it doesn't work that way. It, it's not a sink. A leaf is never taking something from the plant. It's only giving it. So when he said that, I'm like, oh, okay. So even if a big leaf is not getting light, it's not producing energy as much, it does have food stores. So there's no real good reason to get rid of it unless it's too humid because it's breathing. It's creating moisture, right? And that's not a good thing if you got too much. So if you, if you don't want the RH, you get rid of the leaf, it's not going to hurt it in the sense that it's got less energy to, to play with but doesn't mean it needs it, right? Plants are great at storing energy, and that's what they do. That's what those leaves are. They're stored energy. And from what I heard, the leaf will always provide. It won't take away. So you're not, you're not redirecting energy from that leaf to some other place on the plant. You're actually taking away the potential of that energy. The bud sites, that's a different story, right? Like the growth tip, that's a sink. That's sucking up energy and it's growing and it's getting bigger and it's using everything the plant has to offer. The plant's trying to grow every tip, right? So like you said, if you got enough light and you leave all that life and it's got enough energy to supply them, it'll, they'll all get fat, they'll all mature and you'll, you'll be good. It's just a matter of how much you know, light versus nug sites you have. I've experienced that because I, you know, I, w I was really bad on that tip removal. You know, I'd do it once, and then after stretch, I didn't do it again. And so, so what, what seemed to be high was actually all the way down, like 12 nodes down. You know, it's like, there's no way that's growing. It's tiny. And uh, sure enough, there was too many sites, so they never grew out. But then I've done it to a bigger plant where, there were, you know, it was kind of the same ratio, but there was way more surface and leaf and stuff like that. So they had more energy much bigger root system and all that so they all got big you know i didn't overdo the nug sites so i think there's a comfortable balance it's just a matter of how much 
roots you got, how much light you got, and how much bud sites for that, those, those two things, right? So that, that, that was one big thing about the leave the leaf there. That's why he has the hashtag leave the leaf. There's no good reason to remove it. It's not taking energy from the plant. That's apparently that's biology. So there's got to be a good reason why, right? Uh, to each their own. I've ran these plants for 20 years now. I've had some amazing yields. I've ran it, you know, deleafing, not deleafing. I'm happy and pulling some off. I'd rather have the aeration. Uh, I don't, I, cause I'm a tent grower. I don't necessarily like the spike in the extra spike in humidity when that close up the tent. <laughs> if there's going to be problems, they're going to be show up first in the molder leads. So why not get rid of any pests or problems that may be hiding or harboring in them older leaves? Uh, just get them the hell out of there. I'd rather have the airflow. Good point. Good point. Absolutely. There's definitely reasons, right, to do it. And those were all good reasons. Not necessarily because they're taken away from its energy, though, right? It was more about well, saving I, again, problems, I, right? Because if there's a well, problem just, and it's going to happen, it's going to pull energy from that leaf and you're going to see a deficiency and it's going to go yellow, it's going to go orange, it's going to you know rust and all that. But if that leaf's not there, it's going to happen to another leaf. Well, so it's basically better. what I'm they're like indicators right? in that is again, they are pulling energy and they're storing energy. But again, they're using more than a, a younger site could use. So it's if I'm limited in my pot necessarily here because I'm not feeding constant schedule, I'm trapped with what it's already in my pot. Basically, I don't necessarily want them bigger leaves hogging up any energy that I could be pulling through. I want that all to go to my new flourishing bud sites. You know, everything that's new and popping, I want that to have all the energy. I don't want it to be kind of being siphed off by this big old fat leaf that's just kind of... I think I see where you're going with that. And, the water, yeah. right? The nutrients, what the plant takes up, then potentially, yeah, you're right, that leaf needs water needs you know i need it's pumping water out it needs it needs that water but but that's not necessarily i mean if i'm keeping energy. them there for necessarily nutrition nutrition uh the nutrients are mobile and immobile so yeah yeah, yeah exactly they can, so, some won't move. i'm not keeping them there for that necessarily reason because if i need them down below and it's an immobile nutrient then it's no I'm yeah, that's a good point. With what I'm pulling up through the soil. It's putting it there in the first place. And if it's not mobile, then maybe not putting it there would have been a good thing in the first place, right? Because the mobile nutrients are good to have there because if something happens, it'll go pull them out of there. And that's where you see those deficiencies. They'll happen on the bottom leaves because something at the top needs it, right? And it'll pull it out and you'll see it. If you pull that leaf off, it'll pull the newts out of the next leaf that it thinks it could get rid of, right? So the plant knows it'll do it on its own. I've never defoliated some of them, and they just defoliate themselves. They'll just fall off and die. So that's maybe because I was doing something wrong, or it's just because it doesn't need them. I don't know. I'm not sure how the 
the plant decides that stuff if it's because of an environment thing or because it knows it doesn't need it or you know what i mean that i'm not too sure about because i haven't been growing long enough but but that was one of because i've seen those arguments right about the fans and the defoliating oh i don't want to you know the energies it's going to take away the energy and that's what dr coco says is that no man it's not actually taking energy it's only supplying a leaf will never take energy from the plant it will only supply it so if that's the case that kind of changes everything wouldn't it well yeah i mean it it in order for it the leaf to grow itself it's got to pull out the nutrients you know, it's got to pull the nutrients for it in, 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 in itself to grow, I would think. Yeah. Well, see, the, see, that's the thing, though, is the nutrients are not the food. The plant feeds on light. Light is the food. So the leaf creates the light, creates the food from the light. So the energy comes from the light, and the light can only be harvested from the leaf. Not the roots or the nutrients. The nutrients are like vitamins. They help the plant create that energy from the light. So another reasons why I, I kind of use it too is I use it for I try and again this is all in my bro science citizen. I don't like the, the bro science. I like I prefer more the the term that they use in uh, mushroom psychology is citizen science. Citizen yeah, science. My, I my, like it. I like it. Uh, uh, I'm using it more as a, again, as manipulation as a control technique. Yep, so yep. in flowering, uh, say week two, three, uh, in, if there, if in my, I have an area like this, okay. A branch coming off the main stem, uh, at that point, if it's shooting up, it's higher up in the plant towards, I don't want that leaf right there necessarily being that gas pedal for that branch oh yeah you know yeah, what yeah. i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. i want to fucking snap that thing down i want to slow it down and then i figure what's already on that branch that bud that's that's a, its own little community absolutely tell you what yeah. was talking about that he came on our uh, sunday show i think it was there and or some suns were snowed in or whatever and he came on and he was talking about that how Taking the top leaves from those top colas was kind of like the oxen thing. It defeats the whole oxen prioritization of that cola. Instead of having to bend down the cola and snap it or whatever, if you take the fans off the top of that cola, like you're saying there, that, that one that's a little higher than everybody else, it'll slow it down. Everybody that had everybody else that every other cola that has fans and stuff will actually have more energy to catch up. And that's kind of a way to counteract that oxen thing because if it's higher it's it's the top leader but if it's got less leaves it's got less energy to be able to perform that top leader function and it slows it down so in that sense yeah forces the plants that makes sense create sugars too yeah drives yeah. up the price a bit oh yeah yeah okay i was looking at <laughs> it's funny you say that i was looking at refractometers today on Amazon there to go see the sugar levels and because apparently there's a certain level you want. If it's there, you're good. I think for the cannabis, plant can't get disease. Around 13 yeah. bricks. <laughs> if it's healthy and the sugars, it's going to have uh, no disease, apparently. 
or it'll be most resistant to them. Yeah. Yeah. You ever uh, Harley Rakes uh, is somebody you'll find in the cannabis community. He, he provides the individual NPK, I think is his, his line. Okay. That's his drum. He always beats is uh, keeping your bricks high in the cannabis plant. Yeah, it's a new term to my uh, my lexicon there, but it's uh, very interesting. I can't remember which one, which it was one of the FCP shows there, but they were talking about that, the sugar levels. Oh, it might have been that uh, that older guy there. He was a 72-year-old. He went to Cambodia, was in the army. He's talking about the Cambodian red plant there, like a tree, that 26-years-old plant there. It's like a perennial, never dies. I mean, wow. Another thing <laughs> that I find in the in the flowering processes, I think some of us you do it for uh, to be a little bit lazy during the harvest is stripping them clean like that, and within the last week, as much leaf as I can get off of there for the the stressor of it. Yeah, it does yeah. make my my harvest that much easier, but it's another stressor for terps and uh, trichomes. I find. I, I'm a big fan of stress in the last few weeks. Yeah, it makes sense. Eh? It's like a natural, like uh, like deer coming and chewing on them there. And it's like, oh, life is uh, coming to an end there. You better turp up or whatever. Maybe it's a defense, you know what I mean? For the, the wild animals to not eat them or something. I don't, I, I, I don't like to, you know, stake, staking, I don't, is a, usually a last minute type thing for me. And again, people would probably go roll their eyes at that as well. But a little bit of root pruning, shoving that stake in there, uh, I don't think it's a horrible thing. I think it's the drill bits and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm no, going that far. But as you can see behind me, man, them plants are good size. You don't see no stakes in them girls. No, but man, as you they, you know, they, you get some nice big buds there. And then branches start to do this. It's yeah. the same stressors that I'm looking for by the heavy defoliation there. You yeah. know, it is until I see them like start. You know, they get to the point where I know that branch could snap. That I'll actually get in there and, or the, or I actually see the structure of the plant itself. It's just too flimsy to where she'll, she's going to collapse on herself um, yeah, at yeah. a certain point. I heard green crack and was like that. Thin branches, big buds. Scroggers, <laughs> in my opinion. Them are the girls that actually need to just be green, scrog. Really glue. <laughs> really glue really brings me that, to that mind. She, that, she just gets them shoulders that get so flimsy. Uh, it could be tubular branches there yeah whatever we're pretty hollow on the green crack there you know if you if you if you do the the super crop you gotta be careful you gotta mush it up good because she'll snap on you she's so hollow like a mcdonald's so that so the 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 organic voice would have, tell you that the the tubular branches there are deficiency what do you think i don't know i think it's strain dependent I think it's a her, hereditary thing, you know what I mean? Like it's just genetic. Because uh, I have had some I, that were solid, like there's no hollowness. There's a little, little pinpoint, little needle dot hole there. 
whereas one is the hole is bigger than the thickness of the branch you know it's more whole than than branch it's hollow basically like wow i find them strains to be more narcotic to be honest with you very fucking sedating uh yeah, is yeah. A, a trait that i find with those in particular strains i think it's a sativa straight or a trait or a heat uh, trait like a cactus right a cactus is hollow on the inside to survive that heat keeps a lot of water on the inside so maybe that's what it is or that that wall that the, you know because it's it's like a membrane i got a picture of it there where i snapped the branch i cut it real clean and you know that white stuff in the middle like that hole is actually much smaller and there's like this white foam there on the inside it's really mucus looking there and it dries up really fast because it's basically like a sponge but that's where the newts flow through and uh, I have a feeling that there's just more of it. Like it's a thicker, more humid carrying part of it to keep it either cooler or wetter or I don't know, but maybe more tolerant to heat. Uh, whereas those thick solid branches, they're probably from like the Himalayas where it's freezing all the time. And they're, they're, you know, they, they, they're the opposite. They want to stay warm and so they're all tight. Not much water in the branch. So, do you ever see yourself giving into the organic soil movement? Oh, as soon as I have land, bro, I'm going live soil. Like I'm a big, firm believer in remediating soil. I mean, obviously, they're destroying the planet with salts. The the plant the the like the land can't take it. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about what three years? You you grow crops on a field after three years, the land's dead. You have to basically start well it's going to be sand because the life is dead right so it's like yeah we got to stop that indoors i get it you know like you grow through cocoa or whatever you know but outside i'm actually kind of concerned a little bit as far as uh regenerative soil organics and from the impact that cannabis could have in general be honest with you could turn i've only spoke of this a couple of times but it is it is a huge concern of mine and i i think it, it's going to have a big environmental impact i mean you start taking all these uh farmlands that are growing corn wheat all that now and you have the wildlife that is uh used to being around that environment and then you get all these people that now want to make a buck or just don't see the value and you know the two you know apples for apples orange for orange i want to grow the i want to cash the crop uh what is what kind of environmental impacts is that going to have on the deer the birds you know land in general exactly. uh, when the nothing, nothing will changed. grow there nothing will grow there huh? that's the thing what are they going to do after they're done, right? Because after a while, it, it won't work no more, right? Then what? I mean, it's sand. It's They're creating deserts, you know? It I mean, millions that, of years. I mean, these types of plants depend on, you know, bees and stuff like that, pollination, mm -hmm. you know, to even make the, the whole thing work. And then you turn around and you go plant sense of milieu cannabis that doesn't need to be pollinated. Uh, I think that it will have a big impact as well. True. You gotta have some males. Gotta have some males. Apparently, the uh, the the bees are they like that male uh, pollen there for some reason. 
They're not supposed to, but they they like it. I heard. It'll be see. It'll be interesting to see how you know because the regenerative thing and is so big right now. So it'll be interesting to see if they don't heed these type of warnings that are being thrown now. Uh, what kind of once money comes into it, what kind of uh, impacts it will really have on a large scale? Well, I really hope they. Uh, that's one thing that they should potentially regulate is the you know the salt use on land. It should be all life soil composting. I mean, we got tons of garbage, man. Yeah, <laughs> just no reason why we can't just create a massive compost pile there and just create land and re remediate the whole planet, man. It's self sustaining. It doesn't, you know, what the hell are we we're destroying it. it. Took millions of years to create that topsoil, man. We're just killing it. It's stupid. It's quick. It's a, it's efficient. I mean, I think. I think you were talking if it wasn't for salts and nitrogen, we, we wouldn't have been able to feed the world, right? But I don't know. Maybe maybe there's some bullshit to that. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I've seen nice grown stuff in, in live soil, and it, it's grown just as nice as if it was in salts, right? Maybe not as fast, but just as good. I've read few books that kind of beg to differ that whole argument though they say that that whole salt argument's kind of uh what's the ploy to make money they, they say by the time that you actually do the math for the energy for the tractors and all that bullshit to feed the, the cycle you know what i mean uh You'd have been better off just having small-scale farming, natural farming. Yeah, because there's and, a massive uh, cost, right, to create that nitrogen in the first place. So it's like, yeah, hello, yeah. where did that go? Yeah, it's in the air. It's destroying the environment. Yeah, so I think it's fossil fuel to use to make it. It's a high energy cost to make it. So it's like shit. Yeah, I don't think they factored that part into it. <laughs> They're faulty math. Marketing probably came from marketing. Evil science. Eh? So, uh, do you ever plan on uh, stepping up your game at all? Uh, as far as like dipping your feet into breeding, and there seems to be small plateaus. I think everybody goes through in cannabis, and I hope everybody can takes their time to do it. Is that on the? on the list at some point oh it's definitely purposeful, interesting purposeful breeding i guess i should say exactly <laughs> it's just a matter of room right it's pheno hunt right chuck a bunch and 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 pick out the best and then i mean it's a long process and there's a lot of plants involved so that to me you know spells farm right greenhouse uh something like that that kind of set up definitely definitely gonna throw my hat in there and not just for myself you know to, to see what I can grow and if I can benefit the community, well, so be it. But uh, just, yeah, just out of sheer interest. I, I love that shit, you know. The alleles and all that there, that's uh, super interesting stuff. There. Be able to isolate and, and to really, you're basically boxing the genes up where there's no other option. You know, every seed's going to give you that because you've bred out everything else, right? You can literally do it. 
It'll take you forever, F8, F9, but it'll be so bastardized. But then, you know, there's vigor loss and all that. So, you know, there's a lot of things to consider. So, I, yeah, I'm still just dipping my feet in the knowledge. Or, I don't think I even get the whole S and F thing there. I know filial and selfing and stuff like that there, but I mean, there's males involved and there's just doing it with the fem side. I know that having the males in there is a lot better for fishing out genetics and stuff like that and really going deep, right? So, yeah, definitely something I'm looking at. It'll come. You seem to have a genuine want to. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. It's just a matter of space, man. I I just don't have the space there. So, uh, it's it's in the it's in the works. There's some day there. Big big changes are coming for me there. So uh, let's well, just say that things are open. You know what I mean? So I like that. I like that the, the future has possibilities. So we'll just uh, we'll leave those possibilities open, right? Let's see what happens. Yeah, I wish I could go a little bit bigger, man. I love the thought of Oklahoma and the, the unlimited plane count. Damn straight. I, I, I would pop as many. I'm right there with you. I would be popping seeds of uh, genetics like crazy. I don't think I would be worried about flour, oil, none of that. I think I would just be fucking geno hunting like a fucking crazy, to be honest with you. I think oh, yeah. you'd be. I think I'd be the guy you'd want to come see in Oklahoma for genetics, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for exactly. clones. You know, Lots you wouldn't be jars, on uh... me and my farm for flour and oil. You'd, you'd be pheno after pheno. I like. I like the uh, the uh, fucking breeder Steve kind of the million strain marts. That that I I think I share that dream. Million strain march, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, I'd have a you know a million little jars or you know a sample of each batch or of all my favorites, and you know what I mean. Oh, I forget yeah, what he digging. exactly what he he calls his dream, but you know what I'm talking about. Who Breeder Steve is and what I'm talking about there. Like a bucket list there. No, he's got a he's got a huge hunk of land. I forget exactly where it is. But he's doing a huge pheno hunt, and basically, uh, you mail him your seeds, and uh, if you ever want to come see the place, he, you're more than willing. When it's he's going to have them all flowering at once, so all the strains he takes in, he's going to pop, run out, get some all timed out. Oh, he's going to run everyone's seeds at one shot. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's a good idea. Why not? He'd like to have a million different strains at some point. Shit, that's a good way to go about it, man. Right. Why not? Shit, if you got the place, million strains. Wow, man, that'd be, that'd be fucking awesome, bro. Imagine that field. Eh? Awesome. Holy shit. I, 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 I can only envision it like two ways, like Wonka or like the Wizard of Oz, like you're just coming over that gold world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Waves, <laughs> purples. Because usually it's monocrop, right? They're all the same, but this is like every single one's a like, oh my lord, yeah, yeah. 
They have a field they just oh, I think I'd them. be that at that point I don't know if I'd be so happy. I think I'd actually hallucinate the little elves and shit coming out. Oh man. <laughs> out of the field. Must be in a trip there because there's no way this is real, man. Yeah, yeah. Shit. That'd be really cool. I never know someday. So, do you have any uh, cannabis dreams or cool places that uh, you hope you see sometime in your life, or have you been to some cool, amazing cannabis events, places, or you know? No, events? man. I've shit. I had a chance to go take, uh, well, to go take to go see Frenchy uh, live here in uh, in Montreal. He came down there, and uh, and I missed him. And I me- I even messaged him on IG saying, Ah, shit, I missed it. You know. But I'll, I'll see you next time. You know, I should have went, man. But uh, aside from that, no, not really, man. Like, like I said, because of the you know legalization, I didn't attend nothing and see nothing. I didn't. I was ignorant to everything until it was legal, and then I started looking up everything. Since then, I really haven't had the time to do any attending. You know, the last two years have been, you know, can't do shit. <laughs> so, yeah, man, you know. I've pretty much been an indoor grower there, literally, since uh, all this stuff started there. Because I started like a few months before all these lockdowns and shit. So. Yeah, man. Some good come out of the COVID, I'd say, out of that thing. Yeah. Oh, for sure, like, man. Hone my growing skills, that's for sure. A lot of time to do it, too. My plants loved it. You know, they, they... Silver linings, yeah. Perfect. So uh, let's see here. What do we? Uh, what have I not asked? Just crack babies ball. <laughs> I did, I thought that was funny when uh, I posted that. Somebody was like, "What a wonderfully beautiful name there." Yeah, terribly wonderful I name. <laughs> I love that. No, because me too, man. You know, like I was like I was gonna change it at first. Like obviously, I'm not gonna keep this as a business name because that's not gonna work. But at the same time, it's catchy, right? People know, they know that name now, you know? I don't know. It stands out. You know what's funny? I'll tell you a little funny story on my head about your name. Is uh, As I sit here night after night, I see these names go through chat. You know, uh, I I used to kind of hit some of these names like the first time I seen them. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, the shout out. And then I, I kind of relaxed a little bit. And uh, I guess the list started getting longer and longer. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, pick and, not pick and choose, but I want to see the names there a few times. You know what I mean? Yeah, if I did yeah. every one, the one and only time I see it, then I'd be there oh, for shit. an hour every night. Easy. Yeah. So, and I've had people there's a couple names on the shout out list where i know they've just changed their name to fuck with me selling 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 sally silly she sells you know what i mean yeah they're doing it on purpose sir <laughs> yeah yeah just to fuck with me so the first couple times i seen crack baby w- dwc 
I'm thinking, is this fucking, you know, is this webcam? Is this fucking whatever? So I, man, I, that name passed by a few times and I had to really see, uh, interact and, you know, not yeah. be a shithead basically in chat. I'm like, okay, okay, this isn't, <laughs> no, he's exactly. on the list. This isn't a fuck with me name. That's why I added DWC, <laughs> man, because, you know, the DWC part had to, had to be added there because context, right? It made a big difference, to be honest, there, because people were like, oh, I don't know, man. They weren't talking to me, you know? It's like, who is this guy, you know? But, yeah, once you know me, it's like, it has nothing to do with it. Really. It was a stupid, you know, like, it was a bit like uh, that, what's that strain, or uh, where's my bike? Right, it's Amnesia Haze and Biker Kush. Like that's a clever name. I I really like that name. So it was kind of similar to that. The crack Berries was a a clever name for Bagseed Green Crack. Yeah, you know? and I love that strain. So that's me. <laughs> History. I I appreciate it. You know, that's another thing too that. Uh people scoffed at or some of these cannabis names these days. It's not going to be good medicine. I don't want my grandma having to walk into a pharmacy and be I've actually heard green yeah. crack cited. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, I can see it and I don't, but come on. I mean, how many names I can you possibly have and why can't you have fun with it a little bit? I you know. Well, there's Alaskan uh, I, Thunderfuck, you know, I mean, that's <laughs> right off the much top, better. I told myself one of the fucking first, first strains I'm ever going to name one of my shoes, Stink Finger. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Love it. Smell <laughs> my thing, man. It's appropriate, Stink man. <laughs> it's definitely appropriate. <laughs> I was actually bummed out. Somebody actually does have a string called Stink Finger. I was like, <laughs> well, a skunky strain for sure, you know. That would be fitting. Fitting in the recreational market. Why not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah Do you have any names set aside? Yeah, if you, if you oh shit, eh? Damn. Or do you? Uh, I guess. I guess. Do There's you nothing left, the man. There's eh, no. You, I, that's. I thought about that as I said it. I'm like, shit, man. Somebody might just say it up as he says it. I no, it's true. There, there's like it's like band names. You know, what are you gonna, if you're a band, what are you going to call yourself? I mean, forget it. They've all been taken, and then some. You know, so. Kind of the same thing with the strains, or they're getting kind of dumb. There, are some weird names there. It's like death breath, and you know, puke breath. It's like, nah, I don't think I want to meat breath. It's like, what? You know, no, <laughs> I don't even want to smell that strain. You know what I mean? So let me ask you this: What would be your kind of recipe? Would you kind of go random, random name at it, or would you try to blend the two? mom and dad names into a single name what yeah would, what, what would you kind of be your angle at coming up with a name it would probably be that they're trying to blend both right especially if there's meanings 
like that biker cushion amnesia haze where's my bike like that's just uh, that kind of name there right it's clever where is it because you got amnesia you don't know where the hell anything is and my where's my bike well it's biker cush right so that to me that was really smart so those kind of names i i like that you know that's it makes you think a little you know, it's clever some of them you just don't have a choice it's blueberry banana or, you know what i mean what are you gonna do with that eight berries you know <laughs> i don't know so it's it's so do you, know, you have it, an it particular it uh profile uh you said gas but is it cake and always i mean gas is good but enjoy other things every so often yeah. you know some fruits or pine yeah, the blueberry yeah, is really nice. Secondary. Actually, uh, grape, uh, grape, ape, uh, not grape ape, uh, grape, great god, which I think comes from grape ape. That one is really nice. Like you, right out of the bag, there. It's like wow, that's like great Kool Aid there. Awesome. And then uh, blueberry, obviously, that's that's a nice one. Uh, but I like the cushions. You know, all those hashy cushions there, the spicy cush. That Kush taster, that's you know, pink Kush, master Kush, Hindu, Hindu is really nice. Uh, I haven't tried the kosher Kush, I heard that one's really nice. Uh, but all those Kushes there, basically, they all that, that signature Kush taster. So, that love that, love to make hash with that. And then, uh, the rest, man, eh, you know, like I've uh, like the Where's My Bike's got a peculiar kind of gassy, gassy, spicy, you know what I mean? Amnesia Haze there, it's got a somewhat citrusy a bit there but more in the spicy i like i like all strains but i haven't tried enough to know you know to be honest i really need to dip my nose into many bags <laughs> so many bags and so little time and now i stopped buying okay, so man. i'm sampling less right kind of jealous of uh Canada's medical system to be honest with you uh the way you guys can actually like just drop some cannabis in the mail mail buddy you know it's, what is it ounce two ounce yeah, What's the yeah. Limit the 30 mail? grams yeah one ounce that's awesome and they even have the instructions on the Canada Post website how to mail your cannabis it's like I can't believe it that pinch myself is like is this really happening but yeah you can smoke a joint wherever you can smoke cigarettes for most most places Grow four plants in most provinces, not mine. And then, uh, yeah, so I got the ACMPR license there, so I can grow 25. It starts at 25. Like the way that it's more realistic, can yeah. be aimed at, you know, consumption and the, which ingestion method, you know, uh, it scales out more accurately, I think, to real life than uh our use here in the states does or at least here in michigan you know but they've limited it yeah. yeah that's yeah a little better see the recreational is is that 30 grams in public you can't carry more than that and at home i think oh, it's like 100 ounces in, the, in public oh yeah okay and any, but even recreational though i mean you could because the medical you can have 150 grams which is uh almost almost five ounces yeah five ounces so that's like five times what, more than rack on you what, what i'm getting at here though is not, oh, 
you have to either like be blind to it or be within very you have to be run perpetual or something they're close to. I mean, if you're actually, if you didn't break it down and you're a medical grower and. Oh, you mean as a grower? She's shooting myself in the foot. Fucking. Uh, basically, if, if I'm only allowed per patient as a caregiver 2.5 ounces on hand. For all of us, are two point five ounces per patient. So wow, that's not much at all. ounces, fifteen ounces on hand at any one time, limited to for myself and five patients. That's stupid. How's that? Yeah, then, how does that work? <laughs> I mean, a plant is going to yield, you know, how many ounces? Yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. So even if you're a home grower and you threw all your fucking yeah, you didn't space it out. You threw all twelve <laughs> of in there. You you're instantly in rest, basically. That's, you know, yeah, from that's time dumb. to harvest. Because ours, they so did. I it. actually, that's one of the reasons I started running a perpetual. It, it, a, it's just easier for me to break the cycle up as a one man team. But it, if I were to, you know, again, and these are the numbers, vice versa. Okay. That's the finished amount, but I'm allowed to have 12 plants per patient. So myself plus five patients, 72 plants. You know what uh, I mean? If I were to uh, single crop that and then just be like 15 ounces at the end there for everybody just lit. So that would be like just the very, very top colas of every plant there. Like the cream of the crop, right? <laughs> Everything else garbage. So you have to, <laughs> I have to split that amount up into a monthly harvest to help pull that shit into realistic numbers. And That's just, you know, wow. That's stupid. But and then the, the same aspect here, brother, you call it recreation. Recreational, we're also allowed to have 12 plants recreational here in Michigan. Okay. But they're not, oh, that's only per 12 per household, not per, per person. So per household, 12 per yeah. household, recreational. They can't be grown with your medical plants. But if, okay, say the 12 plants are in a, a bedroom in the other room, or I grow them outside. You know, I, I use oh, that yeah, buffer yeah. a lot, to be honest with you. You know, come nice time outdoors. Some, some, uh, some, we talked about the reverts. I will yeah, take things yeah, in the yeah. spring and, that I want to save and reveg and my recreational, you know what I mean? Nice. My 12 recreational will be revegging out there. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> but ways around it, I, guess. I let, uh, so if you uh <laughs> i grow my 12 plants outdoors or if i'm growing them in another room and you know i, I love to inflate the numbers possible outdoors or whatever i'm able to produce 50 pounds with those 12 recreational plants i'm legally able to have that 50 in a, in a closet Recreational use, I do that recreational. There's no really restraints on that. But call it medicine. 
Mm. And now it's totally restricted numbers when, you know, we both know, you know, you can press that ounce into uh, ounce of rod, you know, down to, let's say your ingestion method, I've seen this, and it's more realistic in Canada. You know, I'm yeah. going to press that ounce down into a gram or two of rosin and I go through fucking 10 grams a day, you know, I'm again, blown a little bit. Or that could be the, your number. Oh, fuck, I don't know. I'm not your doctor. Yeah, see, the license, you know that's how I mean? it's based. It's based on a five gram a day. They give me 25 plants to, to achieve yeah. that. So that's like, okay, five grams a day. That's, that's why uh, five times three, that's 15, that's 150 a month. Shit, that's I can do that with, with 25 plants. Shit, I can do 10 times that. You know what I mean? That's crazy. I've never done more than uh, 16 plants at one time. And that was crazy. Yeah. A lot of little ones. Eh? That's, that, that's what I was saying, though, man. I took my hat to Canada and their medical system because that's more realistically based mm-hmm. to uh, a consumption that is could be equal to ailment or whatever you know what you actually need to where you know here it's it's almost a dirty word that you start calling it medical now and you almost get penalized worse. for it yeah that's that yeah, doesn't make any sense worse and worse and worse as uh recreational is seeping its cause into the market because you know it wasn't a few months ago they were blaming the caregivers here at Fall harvest basically is when this came to a head. Uh, they were blaming the caregivers for an influx in the market, and they were feeding feeding the black market. Where you know people like myself that are trying as best as they can fucking do to live within our legal restraints because I'm you know fuck, I'm still an old fucking outlaw. That still is PTSD to me, you know. The fucking thought of a cop coming in and kicking to my door and shit—that shit still from back oh, in yeah. the day is still fucking nightmarish. You know what I mean? So oh, I'm yeah. doing my best to stay in my fucking legal numbers in case fucking unfortunately I get some knock on the door. I'm as ready as fucking I can be because I, I still hold this to be a blessing. You know what I mean? This is still a fucking blessing, but when we're going to fucking be unrealistic about, you know, how it should be grown and the numbers you should have and shit like that, or who's flooding the fucking market, well, then it's sad. You know, and moreover, with the recreational boom, I've seen patients, the patient number dwindled. Oh, I don't need that anymore. I can grow my 12 without the card. I can carry the same amount. Well, that sucks because there goes fucking all the funding for medical research. Medical research is being dictated by the masses of cards being drawn. You know what I mean? So it's recreational. Cannabis, I think, has been kind of detrimental and again once I even my my worries echo out further as I told you earlier is once it goes large scale and farmers are going fuck I ain't gonna grow corn anymore I ain't growing weed anymore I'm throwing down cannabis I want that fucking big money and shit and then fucking you know 
and then at that point they've robbed the home growers and everything else. I'm really terrified of recreational cannabis, to be honest with you. As a medical user, it might be, I'm still a huge advocate, man, because I've lost so many people to fucking pharmaceutical drugs, period. And I've seen the power of cannabis, not just as a medicine, but through cultivation, it's a very powerful medicine all itself. And, uh, uh, that's but the they want to take all that away, you know, yeah. for a dollar. It's terrifying to me, that recreation. I love canvas dearly with all my heart, but uh, I fear, I greatly fear recreation. It's a Trojan horse, but that, you know, that's what they did in Canada. When it went legal, all the medical became black market. They had to cease and desist. Everything they were doing became illegal. Now you weren't no longer an ACMPR provider for a caregiver. You were now illegal LP. You're not a licensed producer. You had to reapply and start over fresh. So that, you know, imagine being a patient. You're getting your shit from your gut and now all of a sudden it's illegal. And you have to go buy it from the dispensary and the dispensary is bone dry because there's nothing. They don't have concentrates. They have flour and it's garbage. You know what I mean? the shit strains that were left in stock it was nothing for two three months so all those people were forced to break the law of course they, they still got their shit you know the people that were selling they kept selling you know it, it became the new black market that's how i got to try all the strains basically just off those acmpr sellers those medical those previous medical dispensaries were now you know the new gray market i guess you would call it but it was really black because Black was the guy that came at your door there that you didn't know what was in the bag. You know, that was the black market. <laughs> that guy, dead. <laughs> Done. Now the medical, you know, you can get commercial packaging and it's much better price. It's good quality. You can pick a strain. You can mix and match. You can prove it, but it's still all illegal. You know what I mean? So for that, I didn't feel it's, bad. It's the same. You, you, you're saying it correctly too i mean once cannabis is so close to pharmaceutical medicine yeah you know and it's getting that way to where your medical cannabis is packaged it's branded and you might as well be walking a while with a shirt that says filsner you know what i mean because i yeah. think at that point big cannabis is coming in going hey why don't you fucking throw my product out front you know, with the big sign. You know what I mean? I'll tip you a little bit extra. That's what it's going to get boiled down to. And again, is that strain even fucking medical? You know what I mean? Is it, or is it just come with a free t-shirt? That's the thing. I walk it's not. Out, that's it's, my medicine. It's the oxytocin from the free product. <laughs> they're hopping over the medical benefits, right? It's like they're saying, okay, we're going to legalize it. It's, it's great dope right and that's all they're admitting to it's like okay we made it legal it's cannabis it's a drug and we're gonna regulate it but no it's it's medicine they're not like you know they're not acknowledging it it's like they hopped over the whole medicinal aspect and they're going straight to the wreck so to me that's kind of the trojan horse in the sense that all these companies they're getting in but they're getting in on the wreck side and they're pushing the whole recreational aspect of it not the medicinal abolish the the whole pharmaceutical industry aspect 
<laughs> which they will never want to talk they're about, gonna, right? That's who's going to be. They're going to be the first ones investing. The money, exactly. the dollars that they that medical cannabis has already. That was a huge scare to that market. I yeah. think they're already the ones lobbying right now for recreational cannabis just so we'll shut the fuck up so the numbers will fucking like i said they'll they'll dwindle they'll go oh the potheads just wanted to smoke pot here's your fucking pills it was all just a fucking sham and then fucking they'll go back to fucking feeding the market with fucking drugs again and it'll be a win-win with them and then they'll just take their money and invest in recreational cannabis and go we got you fuckers both ways same thing with alcohol alcohol and tobacco are the same people that are losing right now i mean people aren't again if you drink out of good power too but the, the the fact of it is that market is losing numbers as well to cannabis. They, you know what I mean? Good. They would look much rather join the fight and put their money behind it and not let you grow it at home. The same reason they didn't want you producing alcohol at home. Like the MCMA, <laughs> yeah. right? They're trying to isolate, yeah. you know, the market there and get all the, the small guys out of it, you know, so they can offer their garbage and have no competition. Yeah, it's, it's awfully familiar to what's going on here. But guys you know, that have the dream in cannabis will be ones like myself that you know wanted to have that farm to grow cannabis just because we love to produce it, because we love the plant. We'll be the first to be weeded out of recreational cannabis because yeah. we don't, you know, have can't afford that large scale and all the hoops to jump through that they've laid out for us that and a scare you know it's become so like there's so much of it now like that whole thing where they're saying it's all gonna crash there because everybody's made way too much <laughs> that's you know that that you know but that's the big players so to me it's like oh if they fall good but i think it's because they're trying to take all the small guys out there and if that happens that's it's bad news for everyone you know but it's a growing man as long as they can they don't take your growing then charge what you want. Who cares? We're, we'll grow our own. You know? It's just limiting Shit. you to not growing for anybody else. That sucks. There's already a lot of communities out there that are trying to take away your ability to even have like a vegetable cart, much less cannabis. You know, yeah, it's insane. It's insane yourself at all. Yeah, it's new world order shit there. You know what I mean? <laughs> no gardens. That's Come on. <laughs> Big advocates for everybody to take it up now. If you love this smoking in the plant, enjoy the plant itself, and you might as well take and start enjoying the other benefits of it. Which I, like I said before, I honestly think the cultivation side of it is every bit of fulfilling as any high that you get. You know. Oh yeah. Just itself. I'm addicted to the grow. I can't stop. So I just got to grow less so that I can keep growing. <laughs> Big harvest, I'm like, oh, shit, I got to take a break. But if I harvest a little bit, then I can keep going. You know? So I, I love the, the routine of it. You know, I like taking care of my girls. It's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great skill to have, to be honest. I mean, if shit hits the fan, then that's going to be great currency. And it's also going to be a great skill to grow your own food and stay alive. You know what I mean? You can remediate your soil. You can... 
There's many things you can apply there, make yourself uh, survive, an asset to the community. Yeah. We're going to be like gods. Hey, <laughs> oh, here's the cannabis grower. <gasps> oh, I'll bow down. You know, <laughs> he's going to grow our weed. You know, yeah, man, I want to be that guy. <laughs> Prized. Hey, that's just mentioned another great thing that's come out of cannabis uh, is the community. You know, that's another thing that could be lost within uh, because of the, the threat of the taking the grow away. We're all here because we're fucking growers. We love this plant. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the glue that binds a lot of us together. And if you lose that, I mean, it goes not glue. But man, I, that's the one thing that I love these days that, you know, Back from when I started, was peeking out the, you know, the windows because I was yeah. worried that anybody would even fucking find out. Is the community nowadays, man? It's fucking awesome. Like we kind of hit about last night with uh, Rasta. There is, you know, there's. I found better people in the cannabis community than throughout my fifty years, growing yeah. up with, working with, or you know just total random gatherings through cannabis i've met some fucking amazing people and even more so now i really appreciate communities like this mj coco's coco for cannabis uh the fact that we are more and more great information out there. there's people out there putting forth great information but more so uh the citizen science of it all man and open source yeah. learning, if you will. You know, exactly. we don't all have to agree on whatever, but if we can take something from um, an open source and, you know, incorporate it into whatever you're doing and run with it, whatever, that's awesome. You know, take my idea, add it to your shit. I don't care if it, you know, works, it works, it don't, and don't, don't, you know, but the, nonetheless, man, the ideas are being put forth you know, for us to all consider, listen, and learn from. And that's... It's awesome. a beautiful thing. It's right? an awesome Because, you know, it's a sharing of information. It's not a hoarding of it, you know? Like some people are like, oh, it took me years to learn this. I'm just going to tell you. It's like, well, yeah. Somebody told you, right? <laughs> Unless the guy paid thousands of dollars and got educated in a university for it. I doubt it, right? So... Yeah, man, it's it's a community of sharing, and we're we're stronger for it, right? We hoard the information; nobody nobody gains. Whereas, by, by doing what we do and the show that you have, and these communities are just essential to that, man. They help everybody. I've learned so much from just listening to you guys. You know, just talking. It's uh, you guys are my peeps, man. You know, so I want in. <laughs> It's been awesome to have you fucking hanging out, brother. It's been a, a, a great addition uh, to the community. So. I appreciate that, Eagle. From you, it, it means a lot. You know, G, bro. More so that I, even more so that I've had the chance to uh, talk with you first. Nice. Peace, man. I tell you. I take a little bit of something from everybody, man. Uh, I'm very much an impact, but man, I take a little bit of the energy, but I take a little bit of, you know, the person with me every time too. Uh, I've been 
blessed with coming across a lot of amazing people like yourself. Blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed to meet so many great people like yourself. Well, I have to say and the same, Eagle. You're an angel, brother. You got wings for a reason. You know what I mean? Eagle's a great name. It's fitting. Blessed. So uh, what have we left to talk about here, Mr. Greg, baby CWC? That fucking name makes me smile. So <laughs> I, I, I got to give you another, you know, some more credit here too, man, for sticking with your guns, man. Uh, there's so many people that are quick to rebrand or I, I'm funny about even the icon, man. I, the icon that I've used, I've had for a very long time and people i kick people every day you want me to do you a logo i'm like no I, <laughs> that's like I my water stamp yeah <laughs> you know what i mean i get it so I, I give you some credit for sticking by the guns even though you didn't you know it's it's a funny name man it it it, it pulls you in basically. it's politically it's incorrect basically. and i and i kind of like that you know what i mean that's all right i'm okay with it just like the name of your show, right? A little politically correct, but I like that. <laughs> Take a step out the box, right? Color outside the lines. So, do we want to call it good at this point? You want to call it good and open up the wormhole? Or... Yeah, I, I think, I, uh, I think I we can pretty much covered some boxes. the source. You'd be surprised. Well, I know you're good with questions there. Not to you, but uh, I think we covered most of the bases. There. I can't think much, but I know you still want to. You want an ad, right? You want to. You want a shout out there for the episode, right? It's five sixty-three, is it? Right. Yeah. Let me get my uh, recording ready there. All right. All right, well, uh, you're talking to crack babies, and I'm fucking talking shit with Eagle on episode 563. Uh, it's a great talk. We talk about all sorts of stuff, and uh, if you want to get to know why they call me crack babies, well, you'll have to tune in and find out. So I hope you come and check it out. Have a great day. That was a fucking really good soundbite, man. I'm impressed. Cool, man. I'm almost sometimes a little let down because in the beginning episodes, man, if you go back and watch some of them, I used to have to do like a five minute fucking spiel. You know what I mean? About yeah, yeah, yeah. sound bite and shit. Now everybody comes in, they've got it all fucking, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even got the butt record button ready anymore before it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I did have fun tonight, man, and I am very glad that we had this opportunity to uh, do the spotlight and give you the ultimately the key to into the weed nerd world. I think you're going to be a great addition to the community that hangs out night after night. I think you pretty much know how that works. You, now that you've done this, you can come and go any point you want in the weed nerd world. Any show that any title that says weed nerd world, you're open to. There's no invitations on my part. You come whenever you feel like hanging out. And uh, I can see this will be a lot of fun having you around. So I hope you take me up on that invitation and come hang out when you feel what you want to. 
when you don't and you want to just hang out and chat, that's cool too, man. That's how we came to love Crack Babies DWC. <laughs> Some nights it's just fun to hang out in the background and smoke. So I can uh, greatly appreciate that too. But the Zoom link that I sent you is the very same one that uh, will be used in the weed nerd world. Keep that tucked under somewhere safe so you have it. If you lose it, just hit me up. I'll send it again. But right, uh, right. damn, man, I'm greatly looking forward to it. And I can't thank you enough for this great chat, man. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, I really appreciate it, Eagle. I, you know, I think I needed to get all this out there. And uh, I can't think of a better person to do it with. So uh, thank you for what you do on this channel. And all the We Nerd World guys are, I'm coming. We'll see you soon. <laughs> right up. You want to give any shout outs before you go? I know there's a lot of people that came to support you tonight. And of course, absolutely. Uh, another another absolutely. big community behind us as well. So, yeah, out. man. Everybody at Coco for Cannabis, my crew, I'm sure, is in the chat there. And uh, definitely Spot Poker and Crispy Wannabe, Puffy D, and my co hosts on Sunday and Confuse show that we just started. Basically, uh, you know, inspired by growing with my fellow growers and your show. We just thought, you know, it'd be nice to have our own little talk space. And so thanks to you guys for inspiring us. And we're, we're carrying the torch. We're going to do the same thing. So cheers to everybody in chat. You know, the Weed Nerd World gang, I'm coming. You know, it's been nice seeing you in chat. But now I'll be able to chat with you guys too. So that's really great. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm speechless, man. Uh, you made my day with us. You know, I've been looking forward to this day for a long time. So thanks to all of you. Grow a love. Means a lot to me that it means anything to you guys. So hell yeah to that. And uh hopefully you guys will be loading up your trays, emptying your bladders, and catching us here in a few minutes in the weed nerd world. If not, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Please take time to, to do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. But for the rest of you, we will see you in the weed nerd. Hopefully. Crack babies will show, but if not, I'll I'm coming. On that too. Hell I'm yeah. coming. We'll see you in a few. See you there. <laughs> Grow it up.